Lift your hands all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we glorify you today. We thank you for your holy written word. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And tonight's a night of quickening for mortal bodies in this place. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you that the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is still alive, still full of power, still working miracles today. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Lord, you're not like the gods of the nations, the idols that they're made with man's hands. Lord, you, O Lord, stretch forth the heavens. We honor you and bless you today. There's nobody like you. King of kings, Lord of lords, you reign forever. Why don't you go ahead and open your mouth and bless him today. If he's your Lord and he's your Savior, go ahead and bless him. Go ahead and thank him. Hallelujah. Lord, we glorify you today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so wonderful. Lord, we glorify you. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good. Your mercy endures forever. Lord, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Thank you for revelation in your word today. Thank you that mighty signs and wonders will be wrought by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And we're careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you're happy that you're born again, why don't you lift your voice and give God praise tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be comfortably seated. Welcome back to the revival here at River Church at Dickinson. Who of you wasn't able to make it out uh, yesterday, first time this week, here at the meetings? I see your hands in the back. All right. Great. Great to have you. John chapter 4. There's a scripture where Jesus stands up. Um, actually, John 7, 37 through through 39, and he says, Jesus stood up in the great day of the feast, and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, how many believers do we have in this place? All right, good, you're in the right place. This is a Christian meeting. This isn't a Buddhist meeting. This isn't synagogue. <laughs> this isn't Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a Christian meeting. How many believers do we have in here? How many believe that Jesus is the only way to God? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. All right. He says, if any man, he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know, one of the reasons why I encourage you to, re to respond to the word of God and, and speak and lift your voice and praise and give thanks is because there's a river on the inside of you. How many of you are baptized in the Holy Ghost? You speak in tongues. You're a spiritual. How many would like to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues that are not yet? How many are at least halfway open to the idea of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues? All right. If you're not petrified, we're, we're, it's fine. We'll get you by the end of the service. Good. The baptism of the Holy Ghost came. This is what Jesus was talking about. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then it says, this spake he of the Spirit in the next verse, verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they which believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That river was the river of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
This is not what I'm preaching on tonight, but I wanted to start here. Because as believers who are filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a river that flows out of our innermost being. It's your inner man. When you get born again, I know this is very fundamental, but when you get born again, Jesus doesn't come and live in your head. He doesn't come and live in your body. He doesn't live in your hands. Jesus lives in your heart. Amen. That's why we say, Jesus, come into my heart. The other word would say your spirit or your inner man. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I'll take out the stony heart of your flesh and I'll put in, a, I'll take out the stony heart and I'll put in a heart of flesh. A new spirit will I put within you. When you get born again, nothing changes in your mind. Nothing changes in your body. When someone gets born again, you don't look and see a little like faint glowing star. Oh, you've got one too. Oh, brother, we're Christians then. That, nothing changes, right? There's no outward way that you can tell that someone got born again. But what happens is God reaches in and takes out the old spirit, the old inner man or the old heart, and he puts in a new spirit does he put within you. So when you look at humanity, they say there's 7.8 billion people on the planet. There's two types of people on the planet. There's Christians and there's humans, and they're completely different. One, the Bible teaches, is of the nature of God. That's us. How many believers you've, you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in here tonight? That means you're a believer. That means you're a child of God. The Bible says that we become children of God, children of the Most High. And then Ephesians 2 talks about a different group of people called children of disobedience. Man, of all the things I don't want God to call me, a child of disobedience is pretty far up to the top of the list. Child of disobedience. And the Bible calls them a child, a child of a child of wrath. Another thing, you know, if God's going to look at you, it's like when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, out of all the insults I could be called, uh, Satan would pretty much be near the top of the list of things. I don't want Jesus to, I know it wasn't an insult. It was a rebuke. It's different. But of all the things I don't want to be called. Amen. Amen. Have Jesus look at you and call you Satan. That's kind of, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of not, not so good. And, uh, so you have people who are children of God and children of the devil. When you get born again, God takes out the old nature, the old inner man. So the Bible uses the word inner man, uses the word nature, innermost being, spirit, heart. And in that context, they're kind of all inter nature, kind of all interchangeable. When you got born again, your nature changed. Amen. Second Peter 1.4 says, whereby our great and precious promises are given unto us, whereby we are partakers of the divine nature. When you got born again, it wasn't just all the mistakes you made between 13 years old and 19 years old were forgiven. Or, you know, your young life was forgiven. Yes, that's part of it. We know we are washed in the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? How many are thankful that you're not covered in the blood, but you're washed, those sins have been washed away? The old covenant, your sins were covered. You know, when I, when I bought a house down in Florida where I lived back in 2013, I bought a home, and there were two lesbian older women that lived there at that house, and, uh, and that's not an important note. I just, you know, it's part of the story. And, uh, and they moved out, but they decorated and there was wallpaper everywhere. You know, they were in their seventies, wallpaper everywhere. So when I got in the first few days, we just spent pulling wallpaper and in my kitchen, thankfully in my kitchen, well, I thought, thankfully there was just paint. And then there was a little strip of wallpaper up at the top, a decorative strip of wallpaper. And I thought, I'll just pull that down and then we'll repaint. And so I pulled that back and, um, and underneath it was another wallpaper. And then I chipped back some of the paint, the white paint, and it was wallpaper. 
And then I chipped back more, and there was another layer of wallpaper. And I said, forget it. I'm just doing what they did, and I just painted over all of it. And that's like the old covenant. You had sin after sin after sin, and you just kept painting bl the blood of bulls and goats over it. And so people could never feel free from their conscience because they were like, deep down, I know all the wallpaper that's hiding underneath this. The new covenant's different than that. The new covenant's not that my sins are covered in the blood. Oh, how many of you know it's, it's under the blood? You're under the blood. You're protected by the blood of Jesus, but your sins aren't under the blood. Bless God, your sins have been washed away. You're white as snow. Can we thank the Lord together for that? Amen. Can we thank the Lord for that? So the new birth is that God takes out that old nature. So you're a partaker of the divine nature. You have to understand that because you're not who you once were. So, you know, the, how many know we're all just sinners saved by grace? That's not what the Bible teaches. In, in Romans 5, it actually says that we were sinners and now we're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So everyone say, I'm righteous. But once you get born again, God takes out that old nature. So now you have God's nature living on the inside of you. The Bible says we're partakers of the divine nature. John 1, it says, To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So that's why when people go on, you know, uh, their genealogy, web, the website, Ancestry.com. I want to see where I came from. You're looking at the wrong place. You need to get in your word and see where you came from. I was born of God. I'm cut from a different cloth. Hallelujah. I'm born of power. I'm born of a sound mind. Hallelujah. I'm an overcomer. Maybe we'll take more time and talk about this this week. Um, but Jesus stood up and said, out of your innermost being. He was talking about that nature. He was talking about the part of you that gets saved. You know, the, the challenge is that once you get born again, you have to renew your mind. Amen. You have to renew your mind to what this thing says. You know, I, at healing school, we deal with this where people come and then they say, you, you know, uh, well, I say, what do you need the Lord to do for you? Well, I'm a diabetic, you know, and, 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 uh, and I'm bipolar. And then I have to let people know you're a born again spirit, according to the word of God. There may be diabetes in the body, but that's actually not you. I know you may go on your Facebook profile and write six feet tall, you know, 185 pounds, brown eyes, blue hair, what, blue hair, blue eyes, brown hair, whatever, depending on what state you live in, right? And your political affiliation, depending, right? How that's going to range. But that's not really who you are. You, you are who the word says you are. Remember when I started teaching in Bible school, there was a lady who came up to me and she said, I, I, I can't go soul winning because I, I thought I couldn't go soul winning because my personality, I took a personality test and I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a timid person. My personality is a, and she rattled off some, you know, they have this names for this personality. I'm this, this, this. And, uh, and so I, this is what she said, I hate confrontation. So to walk up to a stranger and say, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? She's like, I can't imagine anything worse. But I had preached that day that you don't pay attention to your personality because the Bible says in Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. How many of you are righteous in here? You're in right standing with God. That I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what the personality test told you, you're bold as a lion. Hallelujah. Everyone say, I'm bold as a lion. How about you say this? Say, I'm an overcomer. You know that when you got born again, you got Jesus' nature in you. So if you could say it now, I'm not saying you're God. I'm not saying God is God, we're his children, but you have Jesus' nature in you. You're born of God. God is your father. So it doesn't matter what mistakes my dad got up to. I don't take on his nature. 
I'm not born of his nature. I'm not born of his mistakes. I'm not, depression may run in the family, but it ran out with me because de- Jesus isn't depressed. And if it can't get, at him, get on him, it can't get on me. Amen. And then he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So what God intended is that once you got born again, that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that would be a river flowing out of your belly. In John 4, it's the, it's the story with the woman at the well where Jesus comes and he asks her to give him something to drink. And, you know, they're not supposed to have dealings with the Samaritans. And then she says, hey, this is Jacob's well, our father's well, and goes down the list. And then he, and then he has a word of knowledge about her five husbands. And the woman, the man she's with now is not her husband. And I, I perceive you're a prophet. She was very keen. I'm, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. You think? <laughs> and, uh, and then he says, he says, I have water that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. And he was talking about salvation. And then he said, he said, you'll drink of this water and, and it'll be in you a well of everlasting life. The Bible says, with joy shall you draw forth water out of the wells of salvation. How many know there's a difference between a well and a river? At, at my house in Tampa, or in Brandon area in Florida, we have a well. I've, I don't have city water. I have a well. And that well works well for my house. But if my neighbors tried to come and use my well, it wouldn't work. Water pressure is a problem. If I, if I turn on the faucet outside to try to put water into my pool, and then you take a shower, you have to dance around in the shower to get wet. There's just the water pressure won't have it. My water won't sustain my neighborhood. My water will do about right for me. You know, you go to a village in Africa and they've got a well and the well's suited for so many people. But then you go over where you find the Nile River. And how many of you know that Nile River doesn't only work for a few people? It feeds many. It brings water to many. Jesus said the baptism of the Holy Ghost would be in you a river flowing out of your belly. Sister, can I pray for you? I saw you raise your hand to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you'd let me, I'd like to pray for you. Is that all right? Would you come up here? Hallelujah. There's no rule that says you can't pray for people in the first 15 minutes of getting the microphone. So lift your hands. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to feel the power of God come into you. You don't have to do anything. Just open your heart, and the anointing is going to come into you. All right? Lord, I thank you for your anointing. This is what I want you to say with me. Jesus, Jesus I, ask me I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the, Holy Spirit, with the, evidence, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Of speaking in, tongues. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Lord, I thank you for your anointing right now in Jesus' name. There's the anointing. It goes into you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Be filled in Jesus' name. Now speak it out. Brando rombo boro sobare lebre, I just get started. Lambro sonde le barababa, brande lembarande le barababa, 
out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Rambo borro sonde le baraga rede lebre de lebre. Rande lebramba rede de de de. You know what happens is when people come to get hands on them for the, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they feel like they have to do th- something. Where really the main thing is that you yield to the anointing. We had a lady come to healing school uh, a couple sessions ago, and she was in her 70s. And she had been believing the Lord to be baptized in the Holy Ghost for 50 years, over 50 years, and had never received it. And so I, I don't want people to feel pressure because some people have had, hand, you know, 100 people jump on them and lay hands on them, and, and then they feel like they got to work something up. It's about yielding to the anointing. And so when you release the anointing, like I'm doing now, the anointing begins to fill you up, fill you up. And then what happens is it'll overflow, and that overflow is tongues. So your job is just to receive, which I can tell you're doing, which is great. And I don't know if you feel anything, but the anointing goes into you, and your job is just to yield. And then what will happen, and it won't make sense to your head, but what will happen is it will overflow in tongues. It doesn't have to sound like anyone else's. But if you yield and just let the Lord fill you, it will overflow for you. How long have you been born again? Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Lift your hands one more time. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. Krista, come join me here. Thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name. Be filled. Filled in Jesus' name. Who else raised their hand? Want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I wasn't planning on doing this tonight, but we might as well all get on the same page today. Who else raised their hand? Come on up. Please come line up here. Who else? You haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you want to. If you don't want to, please don't come. It's not going to help you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lift your hand, sister. How long have you been born again? Oh, congratulations. What about you, brother? Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. That's awesome. Lift your hands. I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Ghost and with power with the evidence of speaking in tongues. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you speak in tongues, go ahead. Go ahead. Let it rip out there. Let that river flow out there. Hallelujah. This is a believer's meeting. Go ahead and let it rip. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. How are you feeling, sister? Lift your hands one more time where you sit. Lord, I thank you that you fill it with your joy. Thank you, Lord, what the devil's meant for harm. You turn it around for good. I thank you, Lord, that she enters in this whole, this whole row, these, this, these friends here, family, whatever we have here. Lord, I thank you for this will be the best. The, they'll enter into the best time of their lives, the most joyful, full of life, full of glory, that what the devil's meant for harm, you turn it around. Lord, that the next 12 months will be more blessed than anything they've ever known. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord together. Yeah, hallelujah. hallelujah. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so that's what, the, that's what the anointing is. It's a river of living water. 
And I want to tell you, and I'm, I'm not preaching on joy tonight, um, but, you know, it's okay if you have some. <laughs> That's the river. There's a river of joy. There's a river of healing. That's what Jesus was talking about. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's rivers of healing. There's rivers of joy. There's rivers of prophecy. There's rivers of tongues. Hallelujah. There's rivers. And that's what it is. That's, that, this Christian life is a life of the river of God flowing out of your belly. And uh, flowing out of your inner man. And that's what the world doesn't understand. And that's what the devil doesn't have an answer for. Is that river flowing out of you. And so, you know, I want to say to you guys, when, when I laid hands on you, I, I felt the anointing going into you. Which for a lot of people, they wonder, am I receptive? Do I know how to receive? I can tell when someone is receiving or not receiving. There's times I lay hands on people and, and you feel like the chair would get more. But that wasn't the case with you. So that means you have a soft heart to the Lord. And most likely don't have too much unforgiveness, at least not anything major. Right? Which is good. There's some things that clog up the heart of man. And so as you open your heart to receive, the Lord will fill you more and more. And that's what, that's, what the, that's what the body of Christ and that's what the world needs is because people go, they have problems, and they get diagnosed with depression, and there's, there's no answer. But God put a river on the inside of us. If you read in the Bible about the fruit of the Spirit, love. There's a river of love. There's a river of joy. There's a river of life. You know, I remember the last time we were here, and one of the nights that we preached and the joy broke out, and people were laughing in the Holy Ghost. And then it was actually Pastor Will and LaShawn's oldest son who got touched with the joy. And I remember what Pastor LaShawn uh, told us. He said he looked at her. You know, this is like people go out and they go to a bar and they get drunk. And then some people get angry. And then other people are like, Dude, bro, you're my best friend. No one's understood me. And then I'm drinks for everybody. Everybody. And But here, and I don't remember how old he was at the time. Um, how old your oldest would have been at the time when we were here last. But he looked at his mom, Pastor LaShawn, and said, Mom, I just want to tell you, if I've ever done anything to hurt you, I'm sorry. And he said, I, I just want to say, I just love everybody in here. I just wish I could get everybody a hug. And that's what, the, that's what the power and the presence of God will do, where there's a river of love, where there's a river of joy, where, you're, where, where in the natural, I don't know if I have an answer for this, but there's a river on the inside of you that God put on the inside of you that flows out of you. And that's what the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for. That it'd be a river springing up into everlasting life. And that, I want to tell you tonight, that's the normal Christian life. Not that you have, man, back in 1988, I had a touch from God and that I was overcome with the joy. But that you live that out of your, every one of you, called to the ministry, not called to the ministry, Wherever you're working, no matter what you're doing, raising, raising a family, what you're doing, that there's a river of life that flows out of your belly. That's, that's why Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It's a river of power. When we minister to the sick tonight, all I'm doing is ministering out of the river that God put on the inside of me. There's a river of life. There's a river of joy. There's a river of healing. There's a river of peace. There's a river of deliverance. And that's flowing out of your inner man. And that's what Jesus stood up to herald on that day. He cried, He that thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers. There's a difference between a well and a river. 
but God wanted to give you a river so it wouldn't just be for you. No person needs a river to themselves. A river's there to bring water, to bring life, to bring, to bring life to, you know, that's where irrigation comes from, that makes the ground fertile. The river, Psalm 1, talks about the tree that's planted by the river. God intended that you would be a river, a river of life, a river of deliverance. God didn't intend that you would, and, I'm, and, there's, and we're here to, to be a blessing to Dickinson. And part of that is we lay hands on people, we pray for people. But God didn't intend that your Christian walk is that you would be everyone else's prayer project. Oh, keep me in your prayers. It's fine to pray for people. But there comes a point where it shouldn't be that you've been born again for 40 years and everything still is, the devil's attacking me, life's so hard, keep me in your prayers. God created us to be overcomers. God created us to push the devil around, not to be pushed around by the devil. God created us that we could do like, like, like the prophet did, where he stood up and trash-talked the prophets of Baal. And he looked at the prophets of Baal, and they're standing there cutting themselves. Hey, why don't you yell a little bit louder? That's what God intended. That you have a, hundred, a few hundred prophets of Baal cutting themselves, bleeding. Why don't you yell a little bit louder? Maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe you can wake him up. Maybe he's gone on a long journey. Maybe he's relieving himself. This is him. Trash talking. God didn't intend for us to get born again, to stay small, life be difficult, everything be a struggle. The gospel comes to liberate people. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ comes to liberate people from the grip of Satan in whatever area. And many of you could get up here and testify. The devil used to push me around. I mean, to see the smile on your face. How long have you been born again? Since May, since February. Genuinely happy. I found Jesus or Jesus found me. I don't know which it was, maybe both, but I'm, I'm born again and I'm glad about it. Man, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, 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 I thought, man, you know, it, there's people, I used to be an atheist and this is what happened to me. I used to be an unbeliever in this. I used to be in the world. I used to be in drugs. I used to be an alcoholic and Jesus saved me. All of us in here could go around and tell a testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But God intended that in every area we would carry that same victory. Not, not, you know, you hear people get up and testify. You know, when I was in the world, man, I sure did have everything you could ever ask for. I had all the women you could ever ask for. You know, I had, uh, I was rolling in money because I was a drug dealer. And then now that Jesus saved me, you know, I can barely rub two pennies together. But that's not... <laughs> God intended us to walk in victory. That first victory is the victory over sin, the victory over the flesh. But then it's the victory over the enemy. It's victory over sickness and disease. It's victory over depression and, and thoughts of suicide. It's, it's victory to be able to enforce the, the, the same defeat that Jesus enforced. You know, the Bible says, occupy till I come. So there's like this idea in Christianity that Jesus is uh, not, I mean, Jesus is coming back soon. But there's a way people think like, well, well, the world's going to get darker, things going to get worse, but the world's going to get darker. You know what happens? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. He said, while I was in the world, I, w I am the light. While I'm in the world, I'm the light. But you are the light of the world. Basically saying, when I go, you will be the light of the world. What happens to light when the room gets darker? The light gets brighter. If you take a lighter and light it in here, it won't produce light because there's a lot of light. If you turn off all the lights and black it out completely, that little flame, that little flame will produce more light. As the dark gets darker, the light gets brighter. That's how it works. And so Jesus said, it's going to get darker as we get closer to my return. The love of many will grow cold. 
The, the purpose for getting darker isn't that we go get our, our cans of beans and food and go hide out in the mountains and Jesus coming back, let's just hang out. He said, occupy until I come. Occupy means make yourself busy. But you know what the word occupy, you know when there's an occupying army, you know an occupying army is the one that's enforcing its own government's happenings. The, if, if an army moved in, and, they're in, and they occupy in a territory. They're enforcing what their leader sent them to enforce. I want to tell you the body of Christ is the occupying army on this earth today. We're not the people hanging out hoping that the Antichrist doesn't come and chop our heads off. We're the people who are occupying. The Antichrist has to wait because we're not done here. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. God wants to get victory inside your spirit so that when you wake up, you don't think, man, hopefully the devil doesn't do this to my family. Hopefully he doesn't do this. But you wake up and say, thank you, Lord. I'm an overcomer. I'm, I'm born again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. I'm not letting the devil touch my family, touch my finances, or touch my health. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of, a river of life flowing out of me. If you believe it and receive that, why don't you give the Lord a mighty amen tonight? Hallelujah. That's what God intended. And so when Jesus stood up and said, out of your belly will flow rivers. Why does it say rivers? Well, it's plural. Plural, not river, rivers, because there's many rivers. There's a river of love. There's a river of joy. There's a river of peace. And so I, I want you to see things from a fresh perspective tonight, that when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you, people view it like, man, I've got nothing. God's got everything. And I just have to keep asking God to do things for me until, until, and then keep praying. And when I've prayed enough, he'll come and fill me with certain things. Lord, I need more love. You know, it's not wrong to pray for more love. But the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So when you say, Lord, I need more love, it's, it's actually good you pray that way because it stirs up what you have. But there's a river on the inside of you that if you'll let that river flow, and while we're here this week, you'll let yourself just jump in the river and don't sit back and say, and, and you know, you can come to church one of two, two ways. You can come to spectate or you can come to participate. You can come to say, let me come and listen to this guy and see what it's up. You know, some people come and, and, and maybe not around here, but when people listen to a lot of preaching, it's almost like they're the Olympic judges and they stand back there with their sign and they hold up their sign at the end of the night. Oh, 7.0, I'd give that a solid seven. You know, there was one time I was preaching at the stand down in Tampa. This was when I was preaching. This was a couple of years ago, 2020. And I was preaching, um, or 2021, I was preaching at the stand and I had been ministering in healing school. So I was pretty well warmed up and, uh, and preaching at the stand. And I just started flowing and the gift started flowing. I was having word of knowledge. I was calling people out, praying for people. People were getting healed. And man, that night, I, I remember that being like the funnest night I ever had preaching. Like just had a blast. Just so much fun. And I was like, that was like probably my favorite time I've ever preached. And my wife was, <laughs> my wife was watching online and someone on YouTube, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people watching on YouTube. Someone right at the end of service said, I'd give that about an F minus. Like that was their comment at the end of the service. Like you waited the whole service, watched the whole thing just to give you, what are we doing? We're grading the preachers now. 
And I laughed. It, it didn't bother me at all because I didn't know them. You know, if, past, if I called Pastor Rodney and he said I'd give that about an F minus, then I would have said, okay, please talk to me. To, what did I do wrong? But some random Joe on the internet, I give that about an F minus. And that's how people are. I'm going to church, you know, 4.0. He just didn't have it tonight. What can I say? He didn't have it tonight. And so you can come to church and just, and, and be like that person. I wouldn't preach it like that, you know, his, and, and be a connoisseur. Or you can come like the woman with the issue of blood came with an expectation. And I know we got a room full of people who are expectant. Because in weather like this, to leave the house, you have to be a little bit crazy. You have to be a little bit desperate. I mean, just, to, just the walk from the car. I think people died tonight in Dickinson just from the walk from their house to their car. It's that cold. It's, it's terrifying. My blood is so thin. I've been, I was born in South Africa. I've lived in Tampa. My blood is so thin. You get out, barely breathe by the time you get to your car. I'm a healthy young person. I run like hyperventilating by the time I get to the car. It's so cold. So I know, I know we have hungry people here, but while you sit here, you know, if you'll place a demand like the woman with the issue of blood where she came and, and people were pressing around Jesus, but she came to touch the hem of his garment. She came with an expectation. And so if, if you'll come tonight with an expectation, the Lord will do something. And the Lord, the, the anointing's already moving. But if you'll come and say, Lord, and you pray like this, Lord, whatever you want to do for me, Lord, I want to receive what you have. And then if you've come for healing, let him know. Lord, tonight I've come to be healed. Of, and on the inside, you begin to talk. Lord, this diabetes, tonight I want it to leave my body. Lord, you are my healer, and I'm coming to you for healing tonight. And you begin to talk like that on the inside. God honors that. That's called faith. God honors that. And so if there has to come. That's, that's you know, it's easy. It's just coming and sitting and saying, well, we'll see how it goes. Well, let's give this guy a shot and see how it goes. This is an opportunity for you to come and receive from the hand of God. God is looking to move you forward. God is looking to bless you. One thing I've learned about, one of the, one thing I've learned about Jesus is he's looking for opportunities to get blessing to his people. He's not, he's not looking for opportunities to punish his people. He's not looking for opportunities to be harsh to his people. He loves his people and we're his people. He loves us. We're the apple of his eye. How many know that? We're the apple of his eye. The same love. The Bible says, he who spared not his son, but freely gave him up for us all. Will he not with him get, freely give us all things? If you knew the heart of compassion that Jesus had towards you in your situation and how he's looking for opportunities to get blessing to you, we're going to talk about that about healing uh, in, in, in regards to healing. But looking for opportunities, Jesus himself is interested in getting a, a, a spiritual blessing to you tonight and a physical healing to you tonight. Can, you, can I hear an amen from you on that? Amen. Now let's turn, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to cover what I, what I feel like are probably the four most important points to receive your healing. When we do healing school, we cover kind of, I would say, two subjects. We cover a lot of subjects, but two main categories. Number one, healing. Number two, divine health. There's promises in the word about divine health. Divine health is different than healing. There, there are probably people in here who are healthy, and you don't need any healing. You're healthy, which is good. Divine health is that the Lord protects that health, and you, through the word, the Lord protects that health for as long as you want to live. Divine health is that if the Lord tarries, you're 95 and not on medication. You're 95 and your eyesight hasn't dimmed. 
You're 95, and, and if you have to go in for a checkup, the doctor's like, there's my walking miracle. I just don't understand it. How you're, 90, you're, you're healthier than 40-year-olds that I have come in here. That's divine health, and that's in the Bible. The Bible says Abraham was 120 years old. His eyesight had not dimmed, and his natural force or natural strength is not abated. Hebrews, Hebrews 7, verse 25, says that we come unto him, He's able to save us to the uttermost who come unto him through Christ Jesus. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. God has a provision for all three parts. When he says he's able to save us to the uttermost, how many of you know God can save your spirit man? He can get you into heaven. Saving of the spirit man means you're no longer headed to hell and headed to destruction, and you're on your way to heaven. To know that right now your retirement home is in heaven and not in hell, that's good news. That's the saving of the Spirit. Amen. How many are grateful for that? Amen. Number one, then the soulless realm. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. You know, God has a provision to save you in your emotions. The Bible says in Psalm 23, he restores your soul. You know, there's people that I've met who, because of drug use, their emotions just get all messed up because of abuse, because of all sorts of things. And we've had people say, you know, sitting under the anointing, the Lord touched me. And it's like he, rest- like I felt what it, I had a lady say this. I felt what it was like to be loved for the first time. She said, I never, anyone who told me they loved me always used me and left me. I didn't know what love was. I felt what it felt to actually what real love is from God. That's restoring your soul. There's been people who said, man, I used to have emotions where it was just a roller coaster. Up one day, down the next, very happy, super depressed where the Lord's just leveled it out and I'm joyful and I'm grateful and the Lord's done that. That's restoring the soul. I want to tell you tonight, there's no condition, there's no problem, there's nothing you've been through that the Lord can't do something about it by his power tonight. Amen. Amen. There's there's nothing that the devil's tried to do that the Lord can't do something about tonight. The Lord could take you from depressed, depressive, suicidal to full of joy in a matter of the next two hours. That's the God that we serve. Hallelujah. He restores your soul. And then your body. The Lord knows we have a body. And the Bible actually says that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, yet your body's not first yours. You know, your body's first the Holy Ghost. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know that God, you know, there's a scripture that says, precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints. But you know that that doesn't mean that God, it's precious to God when you die. You know that word precious is actually the same word used for costly, like a costly perfume or ointment, like the woman who brought the alabaster box of costly perfume and it was a year's wages. You know that word means costly or expensive. So when it says precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints, it isn't that, oh, what a good day. Sam died today. He's come home to be with me. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying costly in the sight of God of the death of his saints. Why? How many of you, I mean, all of us, the Lord's been working on all of us. I'm 36 years old. The Lord's been having so much mercy on me. You know, uh, how many, how many are thankful for the mercy of God? How many of the Lord should have, if, if he was anybody else but God, he would have given up on you 
such a long time ago and here we are and and we're still in right standing with God his mercies are new every morning he's been pouring out mercy on you literally every day he's given you grace to move forward he's been working on you for years and then and he gets you to where you're you're walking in love towards people you're generous you're winning souls you're you're telling other people about him you're encouraging people your heart of stone went to a heart of love for people you're influencing your family in a positive way and then you go and die expensive to god is the death of his saints i finally get them on the front lines and they die that costs, that's expensive to God. So it's not precious. Oh, I'm so happy. So-and-so came home to me today. Well, if it was that happy, he should have just taken you like Enoch. He can just take you. He can just take you if he wants. No, these are my saints. These are my people on the earth. These are the light and dark places. But God is a provision to save your body, to take care of your body. And although if you had to choose, if you had to choose between the two, I, I personally would rather die and go to heaven, broke, busted, sick, disgusted, and make it to heaven, than live a long time and be super rich, super healthy, but go to hell. How many agree? You'd rather go to heaven. You know, I started running the math. My mom was a school teacher, but I started running the numbers. Earth is maximum 120 years. Eternity's forever. I'd rather be in heaven forever than hell forever. I run, just trust me, if, you, if, you, if you're not running the numbers the same as me, just trust me, take my word. I've, I've sat down with pen and paper. I worked it out. Eternity or 120 years, I'd choose. The good news is you don't have to choose, amen? The good news is, is that God has a provision for your, your body tonight through his gospel. And part of the demonstration of the gospel is the healing power of God. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the good news. And I want to tell you, if you've received the good news of your salvation, you can receive the good news of your healing. And that just as, just as happy as that God is to, to have you born again, that he's happy that you would walk in divine health and healing as well. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a provision for your body. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Hold your place there, and then I want to go over to Mark 1. I like the way it comes out in Mark. Mark 1. Verse 40, and there came to him a leper beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and said unto him, See that thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Jesus is full of compassion. I, I like Mark 1 because that version of it because it says he was moved with compassion. 
You know, healing is part of God's compassion for you. In the same way that God the Father was moved with compassion towards us, that God looked on us and saw us in our miserable state. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for, the, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, God looked and said, those are my children, they're in a mess like the prodigal son, and he was moved with compassion for us. Jesus' compassion, Jesus has compassion for the sinner, but he also has compassion for the sick. Here this leper comes to him, kneels down before him, and this is what he says. If you're willing, you can make me clean. You know, two things that you have to settle in your heart to be able to receive your healing. Number one is God's, God is able to do it. How many believe that Jesus has the power to heal you in your body? How many believe that if Jesus, Jesus has the power to raise the dead? What about the rest of you? How many believe Jesus has the power to cure cancer? How many believe Jesus has a power to grow a limb back? How many believe Jesus has the ability to do it? That's the number one thing you have to believe. Number one is that, that God has the power to do it. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, it tells us of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm just going to summarize, but they come, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and all, of, all of Babylon were instructed that when the music plays, there was a huge golden statue, and they had to bow down and worship the statue. And these three boys, or three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, decided we're, we're not doing it. And it doesn't say if they were three individuals in different parts or if they were three buddies you always assume that they were three buddies but they could have been three individuals throughout the crowd but anyway these three didn't so they're brought before the king and then the king says he says this is he gets angry and he says didn't you hear that when the instruments were to play that you were to bow and then he says this who is the god that'll save you out of my hands and Shadrach, something on the inside of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rose up and said, O king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. For the God that we serve, he is able and he will. Is God able to do it? And is God willing to do it? Those are the first two things you have to settle in your heart. Is God able to do it? And is he willing? They said, the God that we serve, he's able and he will. But if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. And that wasn't a lack of faith. If he doesn't, we're not going to bow. That was them saying, just so you know, even if the God that we serve couldn't do it, we, we still wouldn't bow. We'd rather die in your fire than, than bow and worship that thing. And so then God, obviously we know the story. God showed up on their behalf. And there was the fourth man in the fire. We know the story. But here the leper comes to Jesus and he says, Master, if you're willing... You can. He had it settled in his heart that Jesus had the power. And I believe everyone in here, if you're coming to this church uh, and you come for a an, an, uh, healing service, then, you, then you've settled in your spirit. God has the ability to do it. We don't get too many people come to healing school who don't believe in the healing power of God. We call it healing school for a reason. You're going to weed out the people who are, we weed out the cessationists, weed out the ones who that passed away with the apostles. You weed them out. But God's, everyone say God's able. And then you have, to, you have to settle in your heart, is God willing? And that's what the leper didn't know. You know, in the eyes of the religious world, the leper was unclean. He came and kneeled down. Master, if you're willing to do it, I know you can do it. You, you can. I'm just not sure that you're willing to do it. That was where his hiccup was. And Jesus said, I will be clean. 
He did that to set the record straight. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus came to act out the will of the Father. Anything Jesus did, that's what the Father would have done. And so when Jesus came and he said, I'm willing, be clean. There was never once that someone came to him and said, please heal me. And he said, come back another time. There was never once someone came to him. You know, there was the woman who came to have her a, a daughter, the devil cast out of her daughter. And he said, it's not meat to give the master's bread to the dogs. You know, that was another term for sinners. I didn't, he didn't come for the, 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 I didn't come for the Gentiles. I came for the, I came for the, the, uh, the lost house of Israel. And so the lost sheep of Israel. And so he, uh, but then in the end, he turned it around and he healed her. There's no one came to Jesus and he said, I'm not willing to heal you. But you have to settle in your heart that not only is he able, that he's willing and he's willing to do it now. And this is where things get tricky for people. Because one of the, 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 the blockages that people have in getting healed is that they believe somehow God is using their sickness, their disease, their condition as a way to teach them something. And that has to be the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies when it comes to healing that the devil's, that the devil's uh, shed on, on, on God's power is that somehow there's a greater reason for your tribulation. Somehow there's a greater reason. You know, you talk to people who don't believe in healing or they don't believe that God will heal all and then they'll say, well, God promised us tribulation. Well, God promised us in this world you'll have tribulation. Well, God promises tribulation. Tribulation and sickness are not the same thing. He promised us persecution. He promised us that as we stood up and said, I believe in Jesus, there may come a time where that cost us our lives. You know, we don't see that in this country now, but it's not to say we won't in the next 20 years. But, but that you would stand up and people would say, oh, there you go again, talking about your Jesus. There you go again about that baptism of the Holy Ghost. There you go again that God will bless your money. There you go again. I mean, it comes from all sides. If you make a stand for healing, people will persecute you. If you make a stand for prosperity, people will persecute you. You make a stand, you make a stand for Jesus Christ being the only way to God, people will persecute you. Oh no, a merciful God would provide many ways. A merciful, a merci no, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So when you stand up for the, what the Bible says, you stand up for same-sex marriage, you stand up for, against abortion, you stand up for, for things that matter to the Bible, then people will persecute you. And that's what God promised us. He didn't promise us sickness and disease. Everything Jesus did, not, not one time did Jesus come and lay hands on someone to be sick and diseased. But everywhere he went, he, he laid hands on people to be healed. That's the will of God for you tonight, is that you would walk free from sickness and disease. That's God's will for you tonight. That's God's will for you tonight. And, I, and I'm grateful that I get to be a part of that. I'm grateful that I get to be the conduit of God's electricity. That's what the anointing is. It's God's electricity. It's God's healing power. It's God's dead raising power. It's the electricity of the Holy Ghost. Just like you can plug something into one of these wall sockets and you'll get a, you'll get, you'll get a, 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 you'll get a flow of power. So that's what it is. The, the elect, it's the electricity of the Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Ghost flowing out of the inner man. It's one of those rivers of living water that flow out. That's what the anointing does. And that anointing, while I preach, will begin to minister to your body. Why do I say that? Because Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them 
and health or medicine to their flesh. The word itself carries healing virtue. Just sitting under the anointing, your bones are beginning to heal. Just sitting under the word of God, your blood's beginning to be cleansed. I'm sorry if, you know, you come sit in these meetings and you end up in the best health you've ever been in since you've been young. Hallelujah. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost will do. Your emotions will begin to mend. Even things I don't pray for will begin to get healed. Why? Because the word carries healing virtue. That's how it works. Jesus is the word made flesh. The word will lift your emotions. The word will bring you out of the dumps. The word will bring you out of depression. The word will put joy in your spirit. I got to warn you, if you don't want joy, you should make a run for the door now. If you don't want to have a smile on your face, you should make a run for the door now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord will lighten your load. The Lord will have you leaving here saying, Hey, Jesus, hey, he's been good to me. Hey, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Revival will put a song back in your spirit. It'll lift the heavy burden. It'll break the shackle of bondage. That's one thing about the gospel. It never leaves you the same. Amen. It never leaves you in the dumps. He lifts you up out of the miry clay to stand. If you're grateful for what he's done for you, why don't you lift your voice one more time and thank him this evening. Give him a mighty praise tonight. You know, that river, I was talking about that river earlier. That river out of your belly will flow rivers. Where does it flow out of? It flows out of your belly. But where does it come out of? Comes out of your mouth. Comes out of your mouth. Comes out of your mouth. If I got up here tonight and just stood here and didn't say anything, took the microphone, probably some of y'all would have left by now. Just 30 minutes of silence, however long it's been. But then you begin to speak and the anointing begins to flow. The anointing is voice activated. The anointing is voice activated. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That river flows out of your belly, but it flows out of your mouth. And so when I get you to respond, when I get you to praise, I'm, I'm teaching you something here tonight. When I get you to respond, when I prompt you to praise, when I prompt you to lift your voice and thank God, I'm getting you to out of your spirit, man, respond. What does that do? It's like a well that you're pumping, that you're pumping. And maybe it's dry at first, but you pump it, you pump it, and it starts to flow. And the more you do, you'll get a good flow going. That's what the, that's what the water is doing. When you open your mouth and lift your hands and say, Lord, I, tonight I want to bless you. Thank you, Lord, I'm saved. And even if you thanked him a thousand times, it's good enough to do it again today. Hallelujah. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What does that mean? That means if God woke you up this morning and you're still breathing, which it looks like at least most of you are still breathing in here. If you're still breathing, then you owe God a debt of praise. Let everything that still has breath praise the Lord. So why don't you one more time. And this won't be the last time tonight, but why don't you again lift your voice right now and thank him that the Lord woke you up this morning, that you're alive and well. Hallelujah. There's, there's many drug houses you could be in. There's many mental institutions. There's many hospitals. There's many, there's, there's, many, uh, there's many graveyards you could be in tonight. But you're here in church listening to the word of God. Some of you are even enjoying it. Wouldn't you, think, would you imagine that? And you're hearing the word of God taught. That's the grace of God that you're here in your right mind and, and, and sitting here still alive today. I want to tell you tonight that the devil's lost with you. Take a moment and think about that. You know, if it was up to the devil, you'd be dead already. 
And, and you can probably look back and, and think about places where he tried his best, but he lost. Why? Because he's not all he's cracked up to be. He's not all he, he threatens that he is. A big bad devil. He lost 2,000 years ago. If he had, and if he, if he actually had it, he would have killed you by now. But he didn't. And he couldn't. And he's lost his grip on you. Because once again, you're here in church tonight on a Monday night, not at home watching football, in church, praising the Lord, lifting your hands and giving God thanks. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That lets you know how much of a loser the devil actually is. Of all, of everything he's thrown at you, the outcome is you're in church in a revival meeting in seven degree weather outside, listening to the word of God with a smile on your face. Hallelujah. Why don't you one more time lift your voice and thank him that it's well with you. Hallelujah. There's a great verse. Keep your place in Matthew 8. There's a great verse in Isaiah. Hallelujah. There's a great verse in Isaiah chapter 3. Very simple. But I heard a minister say, Someone came to him and said, hey, I have a friend who's going through a difficult time and they want to know you're a man of God. They want to know, is everything going to be okay? And he said, tell your friend if they're righteous. And then he reads Isaiah 3, Isaiah 3.10. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the rewards of his hand shall be given him. The man came and said, my friend wants to know, will it be well? And he said, is your friend righteous? And he said, no. Tell him no, it won't be well. Woe to the wicked, it won't be well. But if he becomes righteous and he gets his heart right with God, tell him it'll be well with him. And I'm here to tell you tonight, to the righteous sitting in this place, that it's going to be well with you. On the left hand, on the right hand, it's going to be well with you. In your family, in your marriage, in your future, it's going to be well with you. In 2022, 2023, 2024, it's going to be well with you. In your health, hallelujah, in your bones, it's going to be well with you. When you go check in with the doctor, it's going to be well with you. Hallelujah. When you get the news of the baby, it's going to be well with you. Hallelujah. No matter what you're going through right now, I'm here to tell the righteous, it will be well with you. If you receive it, open your mouth one more time and give God praise that it's going to be well with you. Hallelujah. When you open your mouth and you give God thanks, one of the things that it does is it claims that territory for you. You know, we've heard the the scripture before in, in the book of Joshua. It said, every place in which the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given unto you. And it talks about the promised land. Well, those are a foreshadow of things to come. But here... We're not trying to go over to the Middle East to get us some acreage. We're not trying to take territory, Palestine, Israel. We're not trying to find a plot of land. The promised land for God's church isn't heaven. There's a promised land on earth for us. We're not, people have thought, well, yeah, I'm in my wilderness season and I'm just waiting till heaven comes. That's my promised land. That's not the promised land. The promised land is God has an inheritance for you on this earth. There's an inheritance for you on this earth, and you access it by your faith. And so what you experience as a believer is up to what you're willing to take with your faith. It's not what you're willing to wait for that God has allotted for you this year. That's not how things work in the kingdom of God. If you can get that out of your doctrine, that God has uh, like a roadmap for you where every year he has certain things. You know, I had a guy come to me, or I came to him, he was, this was when I started doing healing school, 
and he was in his 70s, and he was in a wheelchair, and he said, I really want the Lord to heal my eyes. But he said, I said, well, you should come to healing school. The Lord will, the Lord will heal you. And he said, you know, that this was back in 2019. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said that the year 2020 would be the year of 2020 vision and that he was going to restore my eyes in 2020, which if you're in religious circles, that, that sounds good, but that's not biblical. God doesn't look ahead to the next year and say your healing's next year. The only time Jesus ever heals is in the here and now. God doesn't have a plan to prosper you in 2023. God's got a plan. I mean, he has a plan then, but he has a, it doesn't start in 2023. It starts now. God doesn't have a plan to heal you in 2024. He doesn't look at his calendar and wake up in the morning and say, all right, angels, what are we doing today? Oh, you know, there's people down there in Dickinson, and, and there's a whole room full of people who are going to get prayer for healing, but uh, there's three major healings that we'll do. The rest need to come back. I mean, Jeff, man, I wish we could tell Jeff that he's not getting healed till 2032. Just hang on tight, Jeff. Uh, hopefully there's no Jeff in the room. I just picked a name out of the... It was a, uh, is there a Jeff in the room? Sorry, forgive me. I wasn't talking about you. But that's not how it works. Healing is the children's bread. Jesus works in the now. And so if you link your faith and come with an expectation that healing and everything that God promises you, there's now. The exception is the rapture of the church. And, and I'll say this for the young people, because I see we got a few young people. The exception is God does have certain timing for maybe when you get married. If you're 11, you're, you can't believe to get married this year. Like, it's, first of all, it's illegal, right, number one. If you're like praying for a spouse as an 11 years old, good for you. But, but there's going to be a waiting period. Amen. Amen. This is not the Middle East. You don't get married at 11. All right. You're 11. All right. Not engaged yet. You're not engaged to be married. You don't have a, 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 an engagement ring on your finger. All right, good. Why'd you get all uptight at me when I said this isn't the Middle East, we don't get engaged at 11? We're safe. It's North Dakota. If they try to invade, our army's way better than theirs. You don't have to get nervous. <laughs> There's a liberal in Canada who's upset. Well, you know, you should be able to get married at any age. Yeah, all right. Let's keep moving. But God doesn't have a timeline like that. God, just like with salvation. How many of you know that, that anybody on planet earth could get born again today if they wanted to? They would need to hear the gospel and they would need to receive. The Bible says, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. That, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. So there's a prerequisite. You have to, be, you have to hear the gospel. You have to believe that, he's, believe that he was raised from the dead and you have to confess Jesus is Lord. But it doesn't, anywhere on the earth today, God will receive somebody who comes to them and he'll receive them now. He doesn't put them on a waiting list. Hey, we're backed up on salvations to about, you know, they're having revival there in Africa. Millions are getting saved, so we can't take any new salvations over here for the next couple of years. God will receive. And it's the same with faith for healing. It's the same with faith. There's, there's you stepping into it. Your promised land as a believer is not a plot of land in the Middle East. Your promised land as a believer is healing and divine health. Your promised land is not having to take those medication twice a day. Your promised land is peace of mind and a good night's sleep. Your promised land is victory in your finances. Uh, your promised land is prosperity. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm so grateful. You know, I, I, I was raised in a home where a single mom in Africa, you know, li living in a sketchy part of town, and the Lord brought us 
to the states and has prospered us. So I'm grateful. And it's not because of, it's because of the, 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 the teaching from the word of God on finances. God is a provision to take you to the top. Yeah. Amen. If you don't like prosperity, talk to Abraham about that. He was very rich. God said, I'll make you a great nation. And the next chapter, he was very rich. You think God just put that in there for fun? He was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. You know, God puts that stuff in there specifically. Oh, he was very rich. Uh, he was very rich spiritually. No, in cattle, silver, and gold. I don't understand what spiritual gold and spirit, what spiritual cattle? Can someone help me understand that one? In cattle, silver, and gold. That was the blessing of the Lord. One chapter, God said, I'll make you great. He was, he was living with his parents. And then the next chapter, he was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. That's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. So when your faith comes alive on the inside to say, this is God's will. The number one thing you have to settle is that it's God's will to do it for you. If there's somehow that you still believe that God is trying to keep you sick to teach you humility. I've, I've, and, and, and I've heard this so much. You know, I believe that I got this sickness so I could go minister to the nurses, you know, at the hospital. You know that you can actually just go to the hospital and talk to people there. You don't actually have to go on a stretcher. You can just show up. It might be creepy, but just go hang out at the employee parking lot and hang out with their cars. If you want to specifically talk to the nurses, which is a little weird, but if that's what you want to do, just go just wait where the employee parking lot is until they come out and they may kick you out, but just talk to the nurses. You don't have to go in with a disease. Amen. God's trying to teach me humility. Well, it, it, God, you know, God's really using this disease to bring me closer to him. Well, if that can be a good byproduct of it, but God didn't need the disease to do it. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So God can turn anything around, but it doesn't mean it was God's purpose. God would have rather have taught you that. Well, then how is it that, that great men and women of God didn't have to have a disease and they got close to God? You know, how did that work? If he can do it for one, he's no respecter of persons. So if he doesn't have to have, disease is not the only way to get close to God. You know, you can actually like draw near to him in prayer. You could like talk to him. You could like read the Bible. There's like ways to get close to God besides I'm sick now. All right, that went over terribly. <laughs> you have to know God's not planning some, some weird thing. His ways are higher than our ways. God, acts, Jesus actually loves you, actually has good for you. Do you, know that, do you know that Jesus actually wants you financially stable and blessed and living in abundance? And that Jesus has an actual financial plan to get you there. He's already got it. The question mark is if you'll listen and move forward. And I'm not taking up an offering right now. We'll do that at, towards the end. But for me, it's all the same because understanding it's God's will to heal, it all fits into God being a good God. He's a generous God. And, and the tendency of man is to feel like, Lord, uh, you know, I won't bug you. Please, you've done. And I'm grateful for what he's done. And I give him thanks for what he's done. But I can't get along with songs like, uh, Lord, I'm not here for blessing. You just, Lord, I am here for blessing. I've come for blessing. Lord, your mercy is a blessing. I need your mercy. Your grace is a blessing. How many would say the grace of God's been a blessing to you? You know what grace is? 
Grace is God giving you his ability to do things. There's people in this room that you would be able to testify. I used to, not, I used to be uh, t- caught up in addiction and I couldn't get out of it and the power of God broke me out. That's grace. There's sin that I was in that I couldn't get out of for the life of me and the power of God broke me out of it. That's grace. That's God giving you his ability to do something. How many would say the grace of God has been a blessing in your life? Amen. Maybe it was an anger problem, temper problem. I used to have a problem in this area and God, God changed me and I don't have that anymore. That's grace. That's a blessing. I'm not here for blessing. I'm here. I'll take your blessing. I want all the blessing I can get. I need blessing in every area. I need blessing just to be alive today. I need God's help every day of my life. The, the, this, this breath in my lungs, that's a blessing from God. Amen. Amen. So, so God, God, Jesus has an actual plan of good for you. And so then, and then you come and then you say, okay, well, healing's for me. And then healing's for now. And that's the next part that you have to settle. So let's turn, turn with me, if you would, to uh, John chapter 5. Number one, you settle that God's able and that he's willing. Everyone say, God is able and God's willing. And God's willing now. John chapter 2, actually John chapter 5. Hallelujah. John 5, verse 1. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, will you be made whole? You know, this is such a great example of the compassion of Jesus Christ. Here Jesus is going up for a feast. He's not going up to heal. He's going up to go to a feast. I'm going to eat. That's what a feast is. Next week, I don't want to, you know, maybe someone hasn't eaten dinner and I shouldn't talk about Thanksgiving next week, right? But next week we're going to feast. There's days that I fast. I don't fast on Thanksgiving Day. I feast on, I want to eat so much that I pass out. I want to eat. I want to eat, nap, wake up, eat pie, eat more food, nap again, and wake up and eat more pie, and then eat more food. I, like, I don't talk, you know, if you come to me on Thanksgiving Day and you're like, hey, let's, let's have a prayer meeting, get out of here. I'm not praying on Thanksgiving Day. I give thanks in the morning. Lord, thank you. I rejoice, I dance. Once we start eating, I stop praying, I, st- I eat, I sleep. It's time to feast. Let's, let's, if, you, if you call me on Thanksgiving Day, please help me. I'm having a kidney, you know, gallstone attack. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm in no place to, pr- I've, I've eaten till I'm stuffed. I can't find somebody else who's not in America. I'm <laughs> stuffing my face on that day. That's a feast. I'm going to Jerusalem to feast, Jesus said. I'm going to eat. And as he was walking past and he sees the sheep market, this, this, this pool, uh, by the sheep market, a pool, and he sees a man there who's been there for 38 years. You know, I want to tell you that Jesus knows how long you've been in this condition. Jesus knows how long you've carried that problem in your blood. You know, Jesus knows how long you've, your child's had that defect. 
Jesus knows how long the problem's been like that in your bones, that arthritis. Jesus knows how long you've had that problem in your bladder. Jesus knows. He knows how long you've had it. If he knows the hairs on your head, he knows how long you've had it. And he's been concerned for you about that. The Bible says we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus may never have had arthritis, never had kidney problems, never had cancer, but he knows how you feel. Actually, I take it back. He had all of them. He took them all on him on the cross. He bore your sickness for you. So I take it back. He, he bore that for you on the cross. Jesus, say that with me. Say, Jesus knows how I feel. Say it again from your spirit. Jesus knows how I feel. And so he, Jesus walks past and he sees this man who's been lying there for 38 years. And here he is, headed to go eat, going up for the feast. And sees him and, and through a word of knowledge knows he's been there a long time. He's been there a long time. He's been there a long time. And the compassion of God moves him. The compassion of God moves I can't leave them like that. That's what Jesus is saying to you tonight. I'm not leaving you in this situation. I'm not leaving you the way you are. I'm not leaving you with that problem in your blood. I'm not leaving you with that bone disease. I'm not leaving you stuck on that medication, no hope. I'm not leaving you with that problem in, in your mind. I'm not leaving you with that stronghold of addiction. I'm not leaving you with that problem of depression. I'm not Jesus, but the greater one lives on the inside of me. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesus is setting people free tonight. Amen. Jesus is lifting heavy burdens tonight. I want to tell you, tonight's your night for healing. Not tomorrow night. I know we'll be here ministering tomorrow night, but tonight's your night for healing. Tonight's your night for a breakthrough. Tonight's your night to see that thing go that you've been believing the Lord for. I want to tell you, healing's easy. Jesus said, what's easier? That you would tell, say someone, your sins be forgiven you? Or rise up and walk. Healing's easy. The same power that it takes to, 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 the same power that it takes to get you to go from death to life, to become a child of God, is the same power it takes to heal you. It, it's not magic. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. The same power that'll go into your body and heal your body tonight is the same power that went into your spirit and took you out of the family of the devil and put you in the family of God. You know, the greatest miracle that you could ever receive is becoming a Christian. It, because it's actually a resurrection. You go from dead to living. It's an actual resurrection. Even if you died and someone raised you from the dead physically, it wouldn't be as great of a miracle as salvation is. Amen. So everything pales in comparison. You, you know, we had a lady come to healing school and she had had something happen to this eye and I think part of the eye was removed and she was totally blind. And then she had gone blind in this eye. She could see a tiny pinhole of light but there was, there was no sight. And, uh, and she came to healing school. And I met with her one-on-one, -on -one, took her back. We have this little meeting area. I have my, my armor bearer with me, my helper with me. And then she was there. And I said, what do you want the Lord to do for you? And she had a long list. It wasn't just the eyes. But interesting, and I don't really understand this, but she didn't, she didn't come for her eyes to be healed. She came for everything else. She had a bunch of other stuff. She lists them off. And I said, what about the eyes? She said, I didn't really come for that. I said, okay. Well, I'd like your eyes to be healed, if that's okay with you. She said, okay. And so we prayed, 
She didn't even come for this. We prayed. Actually, I take it back. I asked her to stand up. And I said, this, this blind, you know, I, when Jesus rebuked the blind spirit in the Bible, one of the accounts, he said, you blind. And it was like, oh, you hear him say, you deaf and dumb spirit. So I just felt like when I did it, I had to have two names. So I was like, you deaf and blind spirit, in the name of Jesus, come out. And she wasn't deaf. And, uh, <laughs> and then I said it again, you deaf and blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. You, third time, you deaf and blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. And I think after like four times, I realized I'm yelling to this lady who can definitely hear me for a deaf spirit to come out. I'm not doing this right. <laughs> but here I am just like letting it rip. You just, all I learned was yell as loud as you can for it to come out and it'll come out. You blind spirit. Come, so then I just switched it to blind. You blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. Nothing. You blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. Nothing. You blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. Nothing. Probably 10 times. Nothing. Blind spirit, out in Jesus' name. And I don't know what happened. At some point, I just decided I'm just going to keep going until the eye, the, the, the eyes open. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going until the eyes open. And it was probably, I didn't count, but I would say my guess is probably number 13. And it's not a magical number. I was just going, hey, I'm figuring this out as I go. I'd never seen a blind person healed before. You blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. And then she looks at me and goes, do you have a blue? I was actually wearing this exact shirt. Do you have, do you have a blue shirt on? Blue checkered shirt on? I said, yes. She goes, ah, I can see. And I said, praise. And she turned to my helper and he was wearing a red shirt. Do you have a red burgundy shirt on? Yes. Oh my gosh, I can see. And, and the Lord healed her, opened up the eye. Now, this eye didn't form. It stayed blind. But this eye opened up, and she could, she could see through that eye, totally healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Why don't we lift your voice and thank the Lord together that he's still opening the eyes of the blind. He's still setting the captives free. You know, that was the compassion of the Lord. Here this lady comes down, doesn't even come, not even linking her faith to be healed. And here Jesus says, I don't want to leave you in that situation. I want that eye to open. You know, it was the, you know, it was the craziest, well, two things. Uh, number one is when she went to testify, we had her t obviously testify. That's a pretty good testimony. You know, we had her obviously testify on that Sunday. And she said, Pastor Ryan prayed for me. You know, when she walked out from where we were meeting, it was behind this curtain, her friends who had come with her were waiting there. And you could hear her. She goes, she walks up to her friend and goes, oh, you're so beautiful. She was seeing her friends for the first time. They've been her friends for years. She said, you're so beautiful. Look at you, you know, touching, <laughs> touching their face. But her first comment was, Pastor Ryan's a lot taller than he sounds. And I was like, such a weird insult to me. Like, what do you say? So one of the, one of the pastors at the church cre created a meme and it was a Keanu Reeves. And it says, how, pa how Pastor Ryan uh, how, Pastor, how tall Pastor Ryan is, and then it was a shrunken Keanu Reeves, how tall Pastor Ryan sounds. I'm like, what a weird way to insult me. <laughs> and then for months, people would come to me, you know, you're, you're a lot taller than, than, than you sound. You sound about this big. <laughs> what a weird insult. She went out on the streets to go soul winning. And uh, how many soul winners do we have in here? How many have used the gospel soul winning script before? Man, what an awesome tool. But she walked up to people. Now, she was blind three days before. She walked up to people. Hey, I want to tell you, God loves you. And he's got a great plan. I was at healing school, and, and Jesus opened my eye. I was blind. It's open. And she said, 
when she came back, she was so disappointed because she said nobody believed her. Nobody believed her. They were like, we need to see proof. She's like, look, it's me. I couldn't see. Look, you got a white hoodie on. You got a blue cap. I can see. Yeah, but how do we? People didn't believe her. That's why you, you just stick with the gospel script. That's why we train people. Just, you, just walk up and read the thing. You'll get, you'll get people saved. But that's the compassion of Jesus. I don't want to leave you in that situation. I, 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 I have power to deal with what you're going through, and I want you out of that situation right now. I want you full of life. I want the pain out of your bones. I want, the, I want the inflammation out of your back. I want the pain out of your feet. I don't want you standing on your feet in pain. I don't want your knees messed up. I don't want your eyes back focusing on you. I don't want you to have that brain fog. I want that out of you. I want, the, I want my healing power. I want you to have an encounter with my healing power. And that's what God has for you tonight. God doesn't have someone preach to then, okay, go home and think about what he said. That's religion. Oh, that was a good message. I don't want anyone to come to one of my meetings and say, it's very interesting the way that he talked. Really makes you think. I, if someone says that about one of my, my preaching, really makes you think. I'm going to be insulted. I'll immediately go on a 10-day fast. No, Lord, I want people to have an encounter with the power of the Holy Ghost. I want people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want people to be set free, healed, and delivered. And I believe we have a room full of people here that have come for the same reason. I've come to receive from the power of God tonight. If that's you, why don't you in in advance lift your voice and give God praise for his power tonight. Give him thanks that he's the same God who heals. He's the same God who delivers. Go ahead. Why don't you just for 20 seconds, go ahead and open your mouth and praise him. Lift your voice and give him thanks tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You have to know that he can do it, and then he'll do it for you. And then he'll do it for you now. That there's not some reason, there's not some greater reason that he has to keep you sick and learning some lesson. Any lesson that you learn, he said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of the stranger they will not follow. Your sickness isn't there to teach you a lesson. It's not there to bring you closer to the Lord. If he was doing it to bring you closer to him, why doesn't he just take you home to be with him? He's not doing it to bring you closer. The sickness and disease... This is the way you have to see it. You have to see sickness and disease as a work of the devil. Acts chapter 10, 38, if you're taking notes, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Man, I feel the anointing in this place. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God is with them if Jesus healing them is healing those who are oppressed of the devil then every sickness every disease every condition whether you brought it on to yourself whether it was a genetic thing whether it was from an accident whether no matter what the root cause every sickness and disease comes straight from Satan and straight from hell And God anointed Jesus to deliver people and to destroy the works of the devil. You have to see sickness the way Jesus sees it. That he came to die and pay so you don't have to be under the grip of sickness and disease. God's perfect will for every believer, please hear me, is that you walk in victory in your spirit. You walk in victory over sin. You you live free of unforgiveness and that you walk in victory over sickness and disease. Well, that doesn't sound very realistic. You know, but the average 65-year-old's on two, 12 medications a day. 
But I'm telling you, God can wind the clock back for you. We, have, we had a lady come to healing school. She actually came about a year ago, and she was on 26 medications. And by, by the end of the session, two weeks, she was on zero medication. Tw from 26, and she survived. She's still alive to tell it. She didn't just quit and die. You know, there's sometimes where if you do something like 26 medications, you just go cold turkey without the power of God, you, you'll die. You won't make it. And she was, she's in Bible school, winning souls, healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sickness and disease is a work of the devil. And Jesus came to set you free. And I'm here to report to you that he did a great job and he did the work completely. And that's why he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm still working on it. He didn't say, come back later. He said, it is finished, which means it's done. Which means all that's left is for you to take what Jesus gave to you. All that's left is you to open your heart and receive by faith his healing power. Lift your hands all over this place. Lord, I thank you for your anointing even now. That begins to work in people's bodies right now. Lord, your people have come hungry, ready to receive. I thank you for the moving of the waters right now. Thank you for the moving of the waters right now. Hallelujah. Rembo borro sondare belebara. Brando rongo rosonde lebrebebe. I thank you, Lord, for your creative power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power right now in Jesus' name. Rembamba re delebre lebranda da rembo bobo. Rembaba rengelebe lebresebe. Rande de lembamba rebaba. That's the anointing moving right now, the healing power of God. Rambaba rembo boro sonde lebranda rebebe. Lembro somba rebaba jambroso. Rande de de de. I believe the Lord's touching people in their cholesterol. People have problems in their cholesterol right now. And you won't, maybe you won't know right off the bat, but that the Lord's touching people in their cholesterol right now in the name of Jesus. I see cholesterol coming down right now in Jesus' name. High cholesterol coming down. That tomorrow morning, if you check it, you'll be able to tell, however you check, that you'll be able to tell a major difference. The Lord's touching people in their cholesterol right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you, go ahead and lift your, open your mouth and thank him that you receive. You know, your voice is how you take your territory now. The Bible says every place in which the sole of your foot shall tread, he's given you. But now when you open your mouth and you say, thank you, Lord, I receive it, that's how you receive it. You open your mouth. So if that's you and, you're, and, you, and, and you'll receive that cholesterol lowering, go ahead and open your mouth and thank him out loud for it. Thank you, Jesus. That's for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's somebody in here with an irregular heartbeat, irregular heartbeat. Who is that? Irregular heartbeat. Thank you, Lord. Quite a few. Lord, I thank you for this heart right now. In the name of Jesus. Be healed. <coughs> in Jesus' name. Life into this heart in the name of Jesus. Command this heart to beat on beat. In Jesus' name. Full strength in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voice and thank the Lord together for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, while you sit in your seat, I want to say this. The number one, one of the biggest obstacles for healing is unforgiveness. And so if you have unforgiveness towards somebody and you're in your seat right now and you have unforgiveness, please deal with it while I'm ministering. Because it's if not the biggest thing, one of the top two biggest things, reasons why, I, I'll call something like this, which is a word of the Lord, irregular heartbeat. I don't just walk and make stuff up. This is a word of the Lord. So that means Jesus 
knows that there's people in here with irregular heartbeat and he's sending his power to heal it completely now. That's, that's what this means. This is the compassion of Jesus at work. But even in things, times like this, there's people who are unable to receive because their heart is clogged with unforgiveness. So if there's a family member, if it's a parent, if it's you are abused, if you can ask the Lord to help you now where you are and release them and just say, Lord, I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I forgive my husband. I forgive my wife. I forgive my boss. I forgive the person that took money from me and release. It's going to, and do it from a genuine heart. It's going to, it's going to allow that anointing to flow through you. Okay. I want you to receive what the Lord has for you tonight. Can you forgive? Can you just, can you just pretend you're Jesus for a second and just forgive like he would forgive? I know what they did was wrong, but you still forgive. I believe the Lord's dealing with people right now about forgiveness. Can you forgive? Can you release? Amen. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. In the name of Jesus, this heart, there's the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, right now. Broke in Jesus' name. Life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, more for, Lord, for my sister here. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you began a good work. You complete it. Thank you, Lord. You don't start something that you don't finish. Thank you for your healing power into this heart right now. This irregular heartbeat. In Jesus' name. Broke in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voice and thank the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Who, who else? Did anyone else raise your hand for a regular heartbeat? I missed you. I laid hands for you. Anybody else? Irregular heartbeat. All right. Lift your hands one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, for your healing and miracle power, even right now. Hallelujah. That river of healing is beginning to flow in this place. Hallelujah. If you'll open your heart, he'll begin to touch you even right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sister, can I pray for you in the back row here? Sister in the back row, can I pray for you here? Can I pray for you? If you'd step out in the aisle here. Hallelujah. The Lord's touching you. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Every foul torment of body in the name of Jesus. Oh, broke. In Jesus' name. Every attack against your body and against your mind. Out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I set you free. Life. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. 
I got a river of life flowing out of me. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, Dickinson, that Jesus loves you. And he cares about you. And he knows what, what you deal with. And he knows how difficult it can get. And he understands how you feel. But he's got compassion for you. And he's got the power to do something about it. And he doesn't judge you or condemn you. Judgment and condemnation is not part of the Christian experience. It's not part of the Christian life. But forgiveness is. And peace with God. And peace with God. Jesus didn't come to judge you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Jesus came to forgive you. Jesus came to give you peace with God. Jesus came to lighten your load. I want to tell you, Jesus tonight wants to lighten your load. He doesn't want to bear you down with more religion. He wants to lighten your load. He wants to give you joy. He wants to put a new song in your spirit. Eborah, hallelujah. He wants to have a river of life flow out of you. Hallelujah. He wants you to go walking and leaping and praising him. He didn't come to burden you down. He came to lift the heavy load. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He came to bless you tonight. Hey, he came to, to fill you up so that you would have rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Dickinson, he doesn't condemn you. He, he doesn't condemn you. He's not, he's not looking to accuse you. He's looking to pardon you. Hallelujah. He's looking to bless you. He's looking to heal you. He's looking to get his power to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's looking to set the captives free tonight. Hallelujah. He's looking to break those chains of bondage. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He's not upset with you. He loves you. He's a compassionate king. He's a merciful king. He's a wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, he's got great things ahead for you. He said great joy lies ahead for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said ask and keep on asking so that your joy will be full. We serve a God that wants your joy to be full. He wants your family healthy. He wants you blessed. He wants you overflowing. He wants you full of life and full of joy. Hallelujah. We serve a wonderful king. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to wait till heaven till you get some joy and get some health. He wants you to experience it now. Hallelujah. The Lord's going to touch your knees, sister. He's going to heal your knees right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. There's the anointing. Life in these knees in Jesus' name. Any arthritis in this body, any pain in joints and ligaments in Jesus' name, out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, sister, would you stand to your feet with me? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you go ahead and move around? Why don't you go ahead and move around a little bit? Lift those legs a little bit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lende lembarambo borongorodore shebele lemborondorondarande lebara. Go ahead and bend those knees a little bit. Lembrande leborosonde lebrande lebrede. Did you have pain in your knees coming in here? No. No. You you. I mean before. Before you did. What about now? No. No pain. All right. Let's thank the Lord together. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's quickening you right now. Lord, I thank you for quickening into this body. Lord, into these bones. Lord, into this blood. Lord, into these muscles. Lord, every cell and every organ. Quickening right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for sharpness in our mind and memory. In the name of Jesus. Thank you that our mind is strong. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you receive it, why don't you lift your voice again and thank him together. Thank him with me for his power. Hallelujah. Dickinson, why don't you bless him tonight. Hallelujah. 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 One of these days we'll preach on praise. One of these days. You know, I, I, I want to be a blessing to you. And one thing that the Lord taught me, I, I, I used to, I talked about, I mentioned yesterday morning, for those who weren't here, about being depressed. There was a time in my life where I was depressed, suicidal when I was a teenager. And uh, I came out of that, and the Lord set me free, but I wasn't really joyful. I was probably a glasses half empty person. You know what I used to do is I used to figure out like what's the worst case scenario and then I would get okay with that and then I would just try to get okay. Like I remember when I was in sales, when I started in sales it was a 100% commission job. So if I didn't sell, I didn't I didn't make any money. And um I remember I was out for the summer, I was in Pittsburgh selling home security systems. And the way I would relieve pressure to sell is I would think, well, What's the worst that could happen? If I don't sell, they'll fire me. They'll send me back home. And my mom's in real estate in Florida. And I thought, if she doesn't sell, then our, the house that she has will get, rep- you know, get repossessed. And then at the time, I was reading Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. And I thought, well, then if that happens, then I'll just build a raft. And my mom and I will just float down the Mississippi. And that doesn't sound that bad. And then I would like, all right, well, that's if the worst case scenario is floating down the Mississippi, that's not that terrible. And so let me just go sell. And that's how I'd relieve pressure. I was a glasses half empty person. But then the Lord started teaching me about praise. About praise. And praise really turned my life around and made it where I'm not a glasses half empty person. I'm a glasses all the way full, overflowing. If, if I get any sort of bad news, it's only for the end that it's going to be another testimony to embarrass the devil even more. There's no way that I lose. There's no way I go down. There's no way things get worse. There's no option of things getting worse. The only option is things get better and better. There was a time where, <laughs> there was a time where I was uh, with my wife. We were heading to somebody's wedding, and I had left my car at a Subaru at the church, and it was um, parked behind the church, and a friend texted me and says, or called me and said, hey, um, I've got bad news. I hit your car. He said, I have a, I, I picked up a rental, uh, like a, um, a moving van and I was driving in the back of the church and I hit your car. And I said, how bad is it? And he said, it's bad. So I was expecting like the things on its side, it's burning in flames. Like, I'm like, you know, when someone says it's bad, that's what you think. And so I said, well, send me a picture. And, um, and I hung up the phone. And then I look at my wife, and I didn't even have it in me to get upset. Number one, because Subarus in Florida don't make any sense. We don't have snows. We don't have terrain. We don't even have hills in Florida. And so if you drive a Subaru in Florida, it's for the express purpose of, exp- of expressing your appreciation for the Democratic Party. Like you, you, there's, you move to Maine, and it's like the, 
it came with the Hillary bumper sticker on the vehicle. That's just, I mean, up here, Subarus make sense, so it doesn't, doesn't play it. But if you're in Florida and you own a Subaru, so number one. But number two, the main reason was I just, I, I turned to my wife and I said, the, the car, the Subarus crashed. We're going to have to get a new one. It was probably worth $11,000 at the time. And I'm, I don't take out loans. So I was like, hallelujah, the Lord's bringing us a brand new car. Our $50,000 vehicle's on its way. It's time for a miracle. And we started rejoicing in the car. All I could, I can't see. I'm not taking, I'm not getting a $10,000 payout or $11,000 payout and going and buying a $11,000 car. This is, the Lord's getting me a brand new car. Hallelujah. And we started rejoicing. I was all excited. My new car's on its way until he texted me a picture of a bump this big in the bumper. It was like a $300 repair. I'm like, bro, you say it's bad. You got to learn. It's like when I got married. And then, you know, the, the one thing that surprised me about marriage is how, I don't know if this is all women, but how my wife has a different, uh, a different way that she reacts to bugs that I just don't understand. Like we first got married. I'm a gun owner. I keep a gun. I keep multiple guns around the bed ready to go, like stashed throughout the house. And I'm upstairs and I hear, ah! and I'm like, I, I, I'm expecting man with teardrop tattoo and a, and a gun is in my house and it's a roach running across the yard, running across the kitchen. Like we got to sit down and have a serious talk about what type of scream you give. This has nothing to do with my message. I'm just talking to you. What type of scream you give for what? Because if someone actually showed up and you needed my help because there was actual danger, there's a wolf in the house. I would just think I'll be down in a few minutes. The bug can wait. So we need to like, we need to figure out a way that we can have room to go if there's actual real problem. That was the thing that, that surprised me. But to see this picture of the Subaru, you do, there's just an expectation of good. And praise will do that. Praise will, will make it where, where your spirit man is up all the time. The Bible says he'll give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When I minister to people who have gone through depression or are feeling depressed, I want to say this, you, you cannot be a person of praise and, depre- and, and depressed at the same time. They can't live together. You can't, in the same way that you can't be, a dep- you can't, I've never seen a person who is depressed who had a praise life. It's the first thing to go. Because the moment you open your mouth and from your heart start praising, hallelujah, and you just wake up in the morning, hallelujah, this is the day. If you want to move ahead spiritually, I'll give you probably one of the top two keys I could give you to move forward spiritually is, is put praise in your day. You wake up in every morning, even if things are going terrible, especially if things are going terrible, you wake up, Lord, I thank you. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord. I'm born again. Thank you. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Thank you that all things work together to good to those that love you. Thank you, Lord. This is, even if it's just by faith, thank you, Lord, this is going to be the best November I've ever had. Thank you that things are getting better and better and I'm getting stronger and stronger. Lord, I want to praise you today that I'm the head and not the tail. I want to bless you, Lord, for everything you did. Lord, I'm alive and well, living in America, eating good fast food. I want to thank you for it. I wasn't born in, whatever you can find to thank you for. I wasn't born in Syria. I'm sorry if there's any Syrians in here, but America's better. I, I, I thank you, Lord, I live here. Thank you, Lord, I'm alive and well. Thank you, Jesus, that, that, that you know, and you just open your mouth and give him praise. You'll see a marked difference in your life. You'll see a marked difference. And so when I prompt you to respond, 
The reason I'm, I'm touching on this tonight is because when I prompt you to respond, you opening your mouth lets that river flow. It lets that river flow. So people are waiting for something, waiting for the moving of the water. But if you'll open your mouth and let that river flow, that's all I do when I'm preaching, is I preach and then the river begins to flow. Lift your hands one more time. And out of your own mouth, can you from your heart for the next 20 seconds, just thank him for how good he's been to you since you've been born again, how good he's been to you your whole life, that he's had mercy on you. Can you do it out loud? Can you open your mouth and out loud thank him? Lord, thank you. You're so wonderful. Jesus, you're everything to me. Thank you for your mighty power. Thank you, that you that, Father, that you raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you that I'm on my way to heaven, not on my way to hell. Thank you, Lord, that I've found Jesus and that you found me. Thank you that you washed me in your blood. And thank you that your word is working for me. Thank you, Lord, if anyone's going to receive their healing tonight, it's me. In Jesus' name. If you agree, give the Lord a mighty amen tonight. Amen. John chapter 5. It says, And a certain man is there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, everyone say immediately. The man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. There's two things that I want to see here in this passage. Number one is it said there were many people there waiting on the moving of the water. I want to tell you tonight from the Lord, you do not have to wait for your healing. Your healing is here tonight. I want to tell you from the Lord, you do not have to wait any more days for your healing. Your healing is here in this service tonight. Waiting is not a part of God's program of healing. Waiting has never been a part of God's program of healing. Waiting will never be a part of God's program of healing. Just like waiting is not a part of God's program of salvation. They don't come and say, Jesus, forgive me, be my Lord and Savior. And he says, you're going to have to wait. It's religion that says sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. That's not in the Bible. Healing is for now. People are sitting waiting for the moving of the waters. Well, God will heal me when he's good and ready. That's not how the Bible works. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of healing. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost for your situation today. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost for your bones today. I believe in the power of, I believe the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me, and is even right now quickening your mortal body. That the word of God is being confirmed by Jesus Christ right now. That people with digestion problems are being healed. Lord, lift your hands all over this place. Lord, I thank you even for, your di for digestion problems being healed. People with problems digesting food. There's people in here who there were foods that you used to eat and, and up until recently you were able to, but now you can't. It's like, it's like your digestion just turned on you and you can't eat that anymore. Right now the Lord's touching you and setting you free of that. There's the anointing for that right now. 
in the name of Jesus. Food, the Lord says food allergies, people with food allergies right now. There's the anointing for that right now. In the name of Jesus, broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Lord, the Lord even cares that you'd be able to eat wheat, that you'd eat peanuts, that you'd be able to eat f- food. The Lord cares. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Hallelujah. Your healing is now. You don't have to wait another day. Well, my, mine's extreme. You know, I have, I have the worst case of diabetes that the doctor's ever seen. Well, it doesn't matter because Dr. Jesus can do it. If he can open a blind eye, he can heal diabetes. If he can cure cancer, he can heal diabetes. If he can raise the dead, praise the Lord, he can heal diabetes. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the God of the impossible. You may ask, why would he do it for me? Well, because he loves you. He loves you. And you know, he gets the glory when you have a testimony. Because you won't be able to help but just go everywhere and, hey, how awesome is it going to be for you to go to all your friends and family? Hey, Jesus healed me of this diabetes. Jesus healed me of this bone condition. Jesus healed me of this blood condition. Jesus healed me of this autoimmune disease. Jesus healed me of this thyroid problem. Jesus healed me of this birth defect. Jesus took this out of my body. Jesus put this back in my body. You know, one of the, one of the coolest miracles that we saw, and this was an, a miracle uh, that we saw at healing school um, since I've been a part of it. There's a guy, his name was Scott, who came and he was homeless and he'd been homeless for quite a while. And he had, he had just lived a rough life. And he came to healing school, he was still homeless. And he had had uh, diabetes and just, just rough. And... Uh, had to have his toes amputated on this foot, on his left foot, and a bone taken out of the middle to where he could actually put his finger inside his foot like this. And then on the other foot, they severed, they were, I think they took off one or two toes, and then the other two or three that he had, they cut the tendon so he couldn't move them. And, uh, and that was just the tip of the iceberg of what he had wrong. There was a whole lot of stuff in his body that was wrong. But as he came and sat under the word in healing school, every session, things would get better. He always had a testimony. Always. Just simple faith. The Lord had saved him. He knew what type of life he had come from. The Lord, he, he could barely walk. He, got, he was living in the woods. He got a bicycle. And he, he, at some point, before he came to healing school, he was in a wheelchair, got, came, out, came out of the wheelchair, and then came to healing school. And then he's like, I got a bike now, and I have the energy. I've been biking seven miles each way. From the, from the woods that I stay at. And then the Lord provided a car for him. He was living in his car. Like the Lord was, and, and receiving healings. But you know what happened? The one day I had him up to testify, and he was testifying about how the Lord had touched him. And I don't remember what he was testifying of. There was something of his mouth, his gums. There was a lot of stuff that the Lord was doing. And uh, he said, at, he told later that as he was testifying, he felt the power of God come, in, come into the, the left foot. And he, and he didn't know, he just knew the Lord was touching him. And he went and sat down and he felt the Lord say, check your foot. And when he took his shoe off, where he went to go put his finger, he couldn't because there was a bone there. Yeah. 
the Lord regrew the bone in his foot. That's a creative miracle. That's <laughs> regrew the bone in his foot. His feet, his toes were still missing, but the bone that was here that he could put in regrew, which is, that's crazy. That's awesome. And then a few weeks later, he was sitting in front of the church and he was just thanking the Lord. You know, there's power to Thanksgiving. He was thanking the Lord for what the Lord had done in his body. He was just sitting there thanking the Lord. And then he started thanking the Lord about what the Lord had done to regrow that bone in his foot. And he said, as he was doing, he felt the anointing come on the other foot. And he, and he took his shoe off. And where they had cut the tendons, all of a sudden, he could move those toes again. He had no moving, moving in that toes. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, bring someone off the streets, homeless. And, and, and then, you know, there was one, it was like the next session after that that I walked out and it was like hard to recognize him because where his face, the skin on his face was all like pitted and messed up. It's like he had brand new skin. It's like I did a double take. I thought he had gone in for surgery or something because I looked and where he'd had all, you know, you, you do drugs, homeless, on the streets for long enough. Stuff gets messed up. And it's like I turned and it seemed like overnight he went from red, spotted, blotched, pitted skin to like just clear skin. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the compassion of Jesus that God would take. That's the compassion that Jesus has for you. That maybe you say, I don't need a bone regrown in my body, but my levels are off in my blood pressure. You know, this has been the problem. I've had a problem digesting. You know, the Lord cares about what you eat. We had a young girl come. She's probably 12 years old, came with her mom and dad, and she had a peanut allergy. She had eaten peanut butter at three years old and had like swelled up peanut allergy and hadn't eaten peanuts. She was 12, hadn't eaten peanuts. And that, that's demonic. I mean, peanut butter and jelly is a rite of passage as an American child. If, if you're 12 and you've never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you've been robbed, right? It's one of the state, I mean, it's still probably one of my favorite foods to eat is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But, but, but she came, I prayed for her for food allergy. She said she felt the Lord touch her. She went home and she said to her parents, please get out your phone and record me. And she went and out of the closet got a... Uh, pretzels with peanut butter and took three of them and as they filmed her just ate and was totally healed by the power of the holy ghost the lord gave the lord loves you enough to make sure that you can eat peanuts again amen we had another young lady come who was probably 20 maybe 21 and she was uh had celiac disease couldn't eat wheat and the lord touched her the lord healed her you know i saw her i saw her uh i was in line at Publix, the grocery store in Tampa, and I was buying some groceries, and I hear behind me, hey, Pastor Ryan, and I turn around, and there she is. She's standing there. She says, hey, do you remember me? I said, yeah, the wheat. She says, yeah, and she holds up. The only thing she's getting is a loaf of bread. I'm still healed. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's the compassion of Jesus. Everyone say this. It's going to be very simple. Jesus loves me, and that's why he wants me healed tonight. You know, that's God's plan for your life. If it, if it was the devil's plan, the devil would have you have another disease tonight. And he wouldn't wait another day. But Jesus, his plan is that you be healed tonight. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a scripture that says, let's go there, Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to read you this and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. God doesn't have a time for your healing but tonight. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3. Verse 27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do it. 
Say not unto your neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when you have it by thee. God is telling us, if you can do good for somebody, don't say go, go back, go away and come back another time. If you can do it now, if you have the power to do it, do it. And don't ask them to come back later. This is a principle that God says. If you have power to do it, you should do it. And if you can do it now, do it now. Don't ask them to come back another time. It's unbiblical for Jesus to ask you to come back in a year from now to be healed. It's a principle that God, how many believe Jesus has the power in his hand to heal you tonight? Amen. That I'm believing with you, I'm linking my faith, that by the simple act of laying on of hands and the anointing oil, that the healing power of God's going to rush through your body and whatever needs to be destroyed will be destroyed. Whatever needs to be healed will be healed. Whatever needs to be, whatever numbers need to be bumped up will be bumped up. Whatever numbers need to be bumped down will be bumped down. Whatever needs to be able to bend again will bend. If you need to be able to walk again, you'll walk. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? I'm going to read you one more scripture here. James, on the point of contact. James, verse 5. Verse 14, James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. You know, the, the, I, I found that in my three years of doing healing school, one of the elements that misses, that's missing from people's faith to receive is the two things. They're waiting for the moving of the water. They're looking for a man. Sir, I have no man. They're looking, and I, I believe in anointed ministers. I am an anointed minister. I believe in people who carry the power of God. I believe in that. But there's almost this attitude of like, there's no responsibility on me. I just need a guy to do this for me. But if you'll come into an agreement with the word, with me, the word will do it for you. Jesus is the word. So where people are like looking for, I need to find a guy who's a worker of miracles. The Lord places those people in the body, but that's not everybody. And if every time your healing depends on someone who can work miracles, then that's where people are just running from place to place trying to get their miracle. God didn't intend it to be that way. God intended to do for you what, through his word what the word says. So without any healing or miracle ministry, God can still get healing to you. Because the Bible, because the word heals. Amen. So when he says, sir, I have no man to put me in the water, I, I believe in the anointing. I believe in the transference. I believe that if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're anointed. But, but if you'll come into agreement that Jesus is your healer and that the word itself and you obeying the word, you, you obey, obeying the simple instruction is what's going to get it done. That's what will get it done. We've had people come to healing school. There's someone who came to healing school, stone deaf. I prayed for them. Ears didn't open. They had another guy, Evangelist Ankit, who has a, a, he's a healing evangelist, miracle ministry out of India, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. He prayed for it, didn't get healed. And she said, I guess I got to go to Africa and find an anointed minister. That was her response. And so people have that mindset where there's no, there's no agreement in their faith. The only thing they're looking for is who's the guy who's going to do this for me. I believe in the, in the anointing. I believe in the anointing. I believe Jesus anointed us to carry on his works. But I believe in using your faith to agree on the word to do it for you. That Jesus, everyone say this, say Jesus is my healer today. 
that you come into agreement that Jesus himself is going to touch you today. That when I lay my hands on you, Jesus is going to lay hands on you through my hands. And that whatever needs to come out of your blood will come out of your blood. Whatever needs to come out of your bones will come out of your bones. Whatever needs to come out of your skin will come out of your skin. If there's been fatigue, it'll be broken. If there's been mental brain fog, it's been broken. If you've got COVID side effects, no taste, no smell, whatever it is, diabetes, arthritis, whatever it is, that the I feel the anointing so strong in here, that the power of God would, would break that for you. And then James 5 says, if any sick, call for the elders of the church. That's me. And it says, anointing with oil. Now, we, I asked them to bring me some oil so we can do this the biblical way. So I've got anointing oil. I like using anointing oil because I like the scripture. Is any sick among you? This isn't a special oil. This isn't, there's no special ingredients. This isn't an essential oil that's going to help you breathe better. This isn't thieves or on guard. This is oil. And for me, it doesn't matter if it says anointing on the bottle or if it says olive oil or if it says coconut oil. I would use Crisco if it's all I had. It doesn't really make that much a difference to me. I'd, I would probably use some, I'd probably use motor oil if I, if I really needed to in a pinch. As long as it's oil, I'll use it. Because what it is, it's a point of contact to release your faith. And so when I pray, at the moment that I pray, well, if, if, if healing's not tomorrow, then when is it? It's at the point of contact. So what we're doing is we're choosing the laying on of hands with the prayer of faith and the anointing oil as our point of contact. In the same way that if I preached a gospel message and I said, if you would like to receive Jesus, come, what's the point of contact? It's coming, and then it's you confessing with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. That's the moment where you could say, hey, at 9.50, 9.20, I receive Jesus, my Lord and Savior, because you release your faith that this is the time for my healing. So I'm here to tell you the only method of healing that Jesus has for his people is now and pick the point of contact. We could do oil. We could just lay hands without oil. We could take aprons and handkerchiefs. That's biblical. You could touch the hem of Jesus' garment. You know, I had, <laughs> I, had uh, I was ministering in healing school and I went across to go be a part of the, um, we had a manager's meeting. And I walked into the manager's meeting. And when I walked in, there's another pastor. If any of you watched the stand, Pastor Shannon. And as I walked in, he reached over. And I'm going to use, I'm going to uh, use your example. He reached over. And as I walked past him, did this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I turned and I looked at him. And I said, what was that? He said, I had pain in my shoulder, and I knew that you would have been ministering to the sick. And so I said, when Pastor Ryan comes in, I'm going to touch him, and I'm going to take my healing. Amen. And I said, and? And he said, the pain's gone. I said, I didn't approve that. He said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I took it. That's the law of faith. That's what the woman with the issue of blood did. Without Jesus' permission, just touch. That's, that's the anointing. That's what the anointing does. The anointing's transferable. And so I'm believing tonight that as I lay my hands on you to anoint you with oil, that the power of God at that moment is going to surge through you, not later, not tomorrow, that the anointing that I feel all over me right now will surge through you, and that the power of God will raise you up. The Bible says there's your part, which is to call for the elders, which is to come for prayer. There's my part, which is to pray over you in the name of the Lord. And then there's, your, and then there's the Lord's part, and anoint you with oil. And then there's the Lord's part, which is to raise you up. So how many believe today's your day for a healing? How many have come ready to receive a healing? 
How many, with raise of hands, have need of something? You've come to receive healing. There's something in your body you want the Lord to deal with tonight. All right. Lift your hands all over this place. Lord, I thank you for your mighty anointing, which begins to work even right now. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Thank you for your power. Thank you, Lord, for this healing, uh, this healing service and the ability to lay hands on the sick. We don't take it for granted. Thank you for great liberty. Lord, I thank you that moving forward, this will be an area that the River Church of Dickinson will be known for. I think it'll be a place of dominion where people say they don't have any church members that are sick and diseased. They get them all healed. Thank you for it. That every River Church Dickinson member will be full of life, full of your healing power. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord one more amen. amen. Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to line everybody up. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, Pastor Will to, or we can actually put on that song. But let's, if we can line everybody up. And then if you want prayer, if you want a touch from God in your body, and then we're going to, I'll come through and we'll pray for you. And all you do is open your heart to receive. Just like, just your, your only job is to receive the anointing and then agree with me that at the moment that I lay my hands on you, that the disease, that the condition, that that thing would be broken. Did anyone come with cancer, if I can ask? Anyone with cancer diagnosis? Okay. Anyone with, a, with a months left to live? Okay. The rest, just general healings. All right. I won't ask you what it is. If you'd like to receive a touch from God, then if you would stand to your feet, you can go ahead and play that song for us. We're going to put this song on repeat. You can go ahead and, if, that, if you want to touch with the Lord, go ahead and stand up. We're going to line you across the front here, and then we'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 If you're standing behind somebody, you're doing it wrong. If you, if you, coming up shoulder to shoulder. Thank you, Jesus. Face the front. Thank you, Jesus. And then if you get to where you're at the end of the line, we'll line you up in the back. Because I want you to have room where you can fall straight over backwards if you need to, into the usher's arms. So we'll line you up. Maybe we can take you two and we can go this way over there and I'll come over and pray for you as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Go ahead and lift your hands, close your eyes, get ready to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, the anointing to heals in this place. There's a definite healing anointing, and it's here now, which means that the Lord's come to confirm his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for working with us. Thank you for working with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the moving of the waters. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. Krista, come join me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who, who can sense the anointing, the presence of God here? Who senses it strong? 
Who's, who can tell that it's stronger now than it was when we got started earlier? Do you know why the anointing comes? For you. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that we would know, we would know the hope of it. Man, I'm a little messed up. The hope of his calling, his glorious riches of his inheritance, and that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. This power is for you. And, and so you got to treat it like it's the ice cream truck coming down the road that when, you, when the anointing shows up, the Lord actually wants to get something to you or take something out that's not supposed to be there. That's what the purpose of the anointing is. The anointing actually is there to destroy the work of the devil. So when the atmosphere of the anointing comes, that's when you should, you, like Peter was like, hey, if that's you, bid me come on the water. Like, hey, if there's any anointing in here, I, Lord, my, I'm taking it. My emotions need it. This needs it. I want joy that you, you identify this is what it's for and I'm going to take it. Who, who the, you could tell the Lord's touched you in your body? Who of you, the Lord, you can tell a difference already. Is there anyone who is in pain when you came and you're not in pain now? You? Tell us real quick. Um, in the back, you raise your hand for that. Tell us what happened. Um, get in here. My uh, stomach was really hurting like really, really badly. And then after prayer, my stomach don't hurt no more. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord together for that. My friend in the back, you raised your hand about being in pain. What? Tell me what happened. Pain in your chest with a little bit of shortness of breath. And now? Feels a lot better. How's your breathing? Feels good. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad you came. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who, who else can tell a, an immediate difference in your body? And I know, yes, sir. Your shoulder, what was it like before? Throbbing pain now? No pain. And you can, okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, he said it was from a rotator cuff injury six years ago. And uh, it's been still bugging him, so... I'm glad six years of pain's over. Who raised their hand? Who did I see? Yes, sir. Tell us what happened. What did the Lord do? Okay. It's gone. Praise the Lord. When I came to you, I felt any blockage or stoppage to go. Okay. And now, hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord together. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The devil's such a loser. <laughs> who, who else? You can tell a marked difference in your body. And I know some of them, you know, the Lord does something and then over the, you know, you check your blood sugar level. There's different things. But I believe this week we're going to hear some testimonies. Anyone else that has an immediate testimony from prayer tonight? Okay. I'd like to hear them. As the week goes, as you get proof, then we don't want to hear them. Amen. You know, I want to tell you, uh, the anointing here is like at the peak of healing school on our anointing service. So you didn't, you didn't get a second best. I just want to tell you that.
I, I, I'm, I'm the one who's there and I'm the one who's here. And it was the same, maybe even a little stronger here. So just so you know, you didn't get second best. Amen. Let's lift our hands together and thank the Lord for his goodness. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your healing power. You know, when you thank him, it opens him up to bless you with more. So go ahead for 20 good seconds out of your mouth and let it rip. Thank him with everything you got. Lord, we bless you. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your healing power. Hallelujah. Lord, you're so wonderful. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me, um, before we wrap up here, Second Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read to you from uh, partially in the King James, partially in the Amplified. It says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it's superfluous that I write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Acacia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very, very many. When he's talking about the ministering to the saints, he's talking about taking an offering to the church at Jerusalem. And so now he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about that offering. And it says, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, that you may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in every good thing to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. You know, the first thing that he talks about here, Paul talking to the Corinthian church, is he talks about... <clears throat> that it would be, verse 5, a matter of bounty and not out of covetousness. You know, God, the, the way you give matters to God. There's, when it comes to giving, there's really two main things that matter to God. The amount and the attitude. The amount and the attitude. We're going to take up an offering and give you an opportunity to sow into, it goes through Revival Ministries International, and then it's uh, to my wife and I's ministry. But the, what matters to God is the amount and, and the attitude. We know from the teaching of the word that tithing is scriptural. Tithing's not an old covenant thing. Tithing was before the law. And the Bible says in Hebrews 7 that Jesus receives your tithes. Tithe is 10%. You can't tithe more than 10%. People say, oh, I'm tithing 15% now. No, you're tithing 10% and you're giving 5% offerings if that's the case. The tithe means 10%. Pay attention to what uh, liberal media attacks and you can tell what matters to God. CNN is the one who's doing, does a synopsis on this person's church. They teach that the tithe is 10%. The, the word tithe actually means a tenth. Like that's the literal definition of the word. 
So, so the tithe matters. And then it's the amount. When it comes to offerings like what this is, you wouldn't tithe to my wife and I. You would tithe here to the church. But when it comes to an offering like this, what God looks at is two things. He looks at the amount and he looks at the attitude. And so when you decide, Lord, I'm going to give, it says, as every man purposes in his heart. You know, giving, the Bible does say, bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse. So I believe tithe is biblical and giving of offerings is biblical. But no one's under any pressure here. We give you an opportunity to sow. And what God looks at is obedience. So God will even right now begin speaking to people to give. And then your decision is how much. And the Lord generally will speak to you in amount. Who's had the Lord do that before? Where the Lord's spoken to you in amount to give before? And it was specific. Who of you have had a, the Lord speak to you to give something to somebody and then you gave it to them and they were like, man, this is just what I needed. You had that before? That's really encouraging for your faith because you're like, I'm actually hearing the voice of the Lord. This is awesome. But it's the amount and the attitude. Because if someone's sitting here who's a millionaire and they've got a million dollars in the bank and then the offering bucket comes across and God touches them and they see the, the move of God, they see the spirit of God and it's life to them spiritually and then they just throw $10 in. $10 or they throw $100 in. $100 might be more than somebody else gave. But in relation to what they have, that's what God looks at. That's why Jesus was standing in the treasury watching. And, and all these people come with their bags of money. And then the widow comes with two mites. And he says, she has given more. Why? Because in relation to what she had, that was everything. She gave everything. So her two mites to God were everything. So when you give and you ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to give? The Lord, generally speaking, is not going to require you. If you're in a place where your tithe, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, Throw out some numbers. If you're at a place where your tithe is, is $2,000 a week or, yeah, it, the Lord's not going to speak to you give a $10 offering. He doesn't work that way. That would be kind of a diss to the Lord. You know, in Malachi, it talks about the priests who would bring uh, animals that were all messed up. You bring, a, you bring a lame sheep to God. If you brought this to a prince or a ruler, what do you think you would have to say? Like, I, I don't, re, I reject your offering. So there's people who just get in a habit, every offering bucket that comes by, I'm putting $5 in, I'm putting $10 in. You know, if $5 and $10 is out of your heart and it's a lot, that's what you put in. If, if you're a millionaire, you don't give God $10. Your amount that you give goes up and you have to settle that in your heart now because as the Lord blesses you, you may be giving $20 and it's sacrificial and God sees that. What will happen is when you do that, God will begin to increase you. That's the, that's, the, that's the whole message of sowing and reaping is that as you do what God says and you give sacrificially, you change levels. God didn't intend. It's unbiblical for you to give sacrificially and be obedient to God and stay at the same level. God will promote you and then the numbers will change and then the tithe won't be $200 a month anymore. The tithe will be $800 a week. And then, and then the question is, what will the offerings be? Because if, if the tithe goes from $200 a month to $800 a week and your offerings are still that $20 bill, then the Lord looks and says, I've promoted them, but, but they haven't, it, the amounts haven't changed like they should have. Amen. Amen. So God looks at the amount and then he looks at the attitude. And there's only really a couple rules in giving, but one of them is give with a cheerful heart. Give joyfully, give bountifully, give generously. Like 
Give like you're saying, hey, and there's plenty more where that came from. Give out of that attitude of generosity to God. God, I love you. God, thank, I want to thank you for what you're doing in my life. God, I do this to bless you. God, you're wonderful. If it wasn't for you, my life would be a total mess. And I love you. You give lavishly. Even, even if it's five bucks. This is what I got. I'm giving it out of a generous attitude. Lord, everything I have is yours. And this is what you asked me to give back. Even when you do the tithe, and this isn't the tithe, but even when you give your tithe to, to the church, you give it with a generous attitude. Lord, I want to tell you, everything I have, 100% of what comes in is yours. You only asked me to give back 10% plus some offerings. I want to tell you, I love you. This is, all of it's yours, but here's back the 10% that you asked me for. And that attitude is what carries over into giving, and that's what the Lord looks at. That it's not, it's not, that you can give bountifully, that you can give generously, because that's the total opposite attitude of the world. You know, the Bible talks about the Gentiles. It says, don't be like them, for they, they're, don't, don't be like them, and in wondering, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on? The Lord knows you have need of all these things. So the world system is save up, hoard, hang on to your money, that no one except influencers who have sponsorships money are just running around throwing Oh, whatever. It's like water. It's like air. But when it comes to God, Lord, everything is yours. If you ask me for all of it, it's all yours. And I just want to tell you, you only asked me to give back 10% plus offerings, but I want to tell you, I love you. It's all yours. And it's like your whole life is just open hands to the Lord. People have this idea that God's going to look at them and say, okay, sell your house, go be homeless, have no money, give your money to the food bank. That's not how God works. God wants, God's looking to get blessing to you. You have to remember that when it comes to an offering, God's not looking to diminish you. God's looking to get blessing to you. And so when you, but, but the attitude matters. Because if it's like, oh gosh, I left my wallet in the car. I hope God doesn't ask me to do something again tonight. That, that, it, there ha, that shows, there has to be a surrender. And so one of the things the Lord taught me, and I remember, I remember even as a teenager, I was working, um, my mom was, is in real estate, and I was working at my mom's, at once every three weeks, I would work at my mom's real estate office. I would go in, and I would sit behind the computer for her co-work, and I would put bids on these properties. And I would make, like, in a day of doing that, hours of doing that, I would make between, like, 60 and 100 bucks. And I'd take that, I, and I'd been, you know, my mom made me tithe growing up, so we didn't get an allowance, but when money did come in, like, it wasn't like, hey, you should tithe. It was, you live under my roof. You're going to give 10% of your money. This is just the deal, right? So I, we had been in the habit of anything that came in, you give 10%. But I made a pledge to the building fund. Uh, the church, uh, the River Church had a building fund. And as a 16-year-old or 15-year-old or whatever I was, 14-year-old, I remember that I pledged $1,000 to the building fund with no real job. I worked once every three weeks doing this thing on the computer. And then I'd come back with my 65 bucks and I'd put it in the building fund. And then I marked it off. $1,000 I'd cross out. $935 left. And I was just, every time I got money, I'm just paying off my building fund. And that's really where the Lord taught me that you can, you can, everything that comes in, you can have an art attitude, everything that comes in, Lord, it's all yours. If you want all of it, it's all yours. If you want my house, my house is yours. If you want my car, my car is yours. If you want it, it's yours. Lord, it's all yours. But that's the attitude that we have in our money. And that's what surrender looks like. And that keeps you from the love of money. Where it's not like I have to protect my savings. I have to protect my retirement. 
you'll find that when you say, Lord, it's all yours, he's not looking to diminish you and have you out on the streets. He's looking to bless you. So, so when you do that and then you say, Lord, it's all yours, there's times where he'll require it of you. I mean, there was a time I was driving. I, was, I had a Mini Cooper, my Mini Cooper S, and I was driving my Mini Cooper to church, and I'm praying. And this was my prayer. I said, Lord, and man, when I prayed it, I knew it was dangerous. I was just praying, and I said, Lord, I'm so hungry for you. I just want everything you have for me. And I said, Lord, I want more skin in the game. That was my prayer to God. And I knew when I prayed it, I was like, ah, oh, that's going to cost me something. I knew it when I prayed it. And, uh, and that night, I was sitting in service, and a buddy of mine, who's the offering time, a buddy of mine walked past who's an evangelist, and the Lord spoke to me and said, give him your Mini Cooper. And I said, all right. That, and then reminded me of that prayer. Lord, I want more skin in the game. And then gave me this, gave me this scripture. And the scripture is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm asking for more skin in the game. And God's saying, okay, you want more skin? I'm going to ask you for more treasure. You asked for this. And so then I went up to him and I said, hey, I don't know how this works legally. I got to figure it out, but I'm going to give you my Mini Cooper. And I gave him my car. And, uh, and so there's times that the Lord will require things. And really, he does that to see if he can trust you to take you to the next level. I said it earlier in my preaching, but there's, God has a financial plan to get you to a place called blessed, get you to a place called abundance, where you say, maybe my upbringing doesn't have it, but the Lord will do it. The Lord will give you an idea. The Lord will give you, the Lord will, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will put a property in your hand. The Lord will, the Lord has many ways. Trust me, the Lord has many ways of doing it. Many ways of doing it. Amen. But he'll, he'll look and say, can I trust you? And so when it comes to the offering tonight, the simple thing is you just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to give? And I want to challenge you to press forward in this area. You know, there's times where you can actually make a decision and say, Lord, I'm ready to go to the next level. I know that, I know that promotion's coming in this area and I'm pressing forward. Lord, Lord, I'm sowing big because I'm believing you for the next level and you can do that. And so we're going to give you an opportunity, uh, uh, a chance to sow tonight. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the envelopes here. And uh, you can make your checks payable to RMI. The, 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 there's obviously cash giving through the envelope, and then also there's credit card on the envelope. If you pay attention to the envelope, there's two. There's like a blue side and a red side. The blue side is one-time giving. The other one's partnership, which is with RMI back in Tampa. So pay attention to which one you're filling out there. And just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to give? And do what the Lord does. Do what the Lord says. God loves a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And I'm telling you, according to the word of God, the Bible says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But I don't believe we have sparing givers in this place tonight. I believe we have generous givers in this place tonight. I, I, I believe that's what God builds into people who, who, who love him is a heart of thanksgiving to him. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done. How you doing, sister? You, you came up one way and, and went and got back up another way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the anointing. I don't think I'd want to be in the ministry if it wasn't for the power of God. I mean, what do you do? You just like talk to people about stuff and then you dismiss. Here we get to actually like, 
we get to get into some things. People come up laughing, full of joy. People come up no pain in their body. It's like awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this week, as you sow, people sowed yesterday, as you sow, you're, you're going to see that these next two months are going to be the best two months financially that you ever had. The Bible says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I'm telling you, there's harvest. I'm asking the Lord on your behalf that there would be year before the year ends supernatural harvest on your seed sown here in these meetings this week. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, why don't, why don't you say an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I really, the, I know, you know one thing the Lord's really shown me in these last two years is that this is a time of rapid acceleration. That if you grab a hold to the word, things that used to take five years will take one year. Things that used to take 10 years will take two years. There's, there's really not enough time left on the earth before Jesus comes back for people to take, take long to get through things. The Lord is accelerating people and this is one of those areas. And so you, you, you kind of, and we'll talk more about this later in the week, but you kind of have to decide I'm positioning myself to be, to be one of the people God uses in this area. Amen. We'll talk about that this week. Hallelujah. Is it really 1015? I feel like I barely preached. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. 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 I believe the Lord's speaking to people that there's some things that you're, you need to uh, free up and, and bring and sow this week. That maybe there's some things that are tied up that you can sell and bring and put in the kingdom of God. You know, sowing into the anointing is, sowing into the anointing and sowing into good soil is, the most, is one of the most important parts of your seed. Not all soil is the same. You know, I have a, a couple of trees in my backyard. Who's heard of a lychee tree? Lychee, lychee, lychee. I grew up with that in South Africa, and the, the, the climate in Florida is great for it. So I bought this lychee tree, and I planted it. And this thing, man, this thing shot up big. And this tree's like bigger than the house, two-story house. It's big. And then I bought another one because I thought, well, hey, one's working well. Let's get another one. And I planted it probably 12 feet this way. But the ground is on a little bit of an incline. And that thing hasn't done anything, just it's just the wrong soil. 12 feet apart, but the wrong soil. Water doesn't sit, doesn't get the growth. Just, just bad soil. And so I, when people sow, I, I think probably most of you here come to this church. Maybe there's a few visitors. But the church that you belong to, where you pay your tithe, matters. And the ministers that you give to, offerings to, matters. It's not all the same. And so if you're going to move forward an area and you, you got to look for the best soil that you can find. You know what, you know what matters to God? Souls, people getting healed, backslidden people coming back to the Lord, demons being cast out. Jesus said at the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that 
believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. It's, it's God's commission for every ministry to win souls and to demonstrate the gospel. And when you can find that, that's the right type of soil. Not all the same. Given to the SBCA is not the same as given into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus isn't waiting to come back so more animals can be spayed and neutered. He's waiting so more people can be saved. Amen. Bob Barker, eat your heart out. All right. Who is it now? Drew Carey. Eat your heart out. The price is right. Please spay and neuter your pets. All right. Who's ready to give? Made that one real awkward. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for, for everyone giving, everyone sowing, and everyone who's sown. Thank you for supernatural blessing. Lord, I ask you for supernatural acceleration that even by the end of this week and then by the end of this year, there would be marked supernatural harvest on seed sown tonight. Lord, 30, 60, and 100-fold in Jesus' name. And once again, Lord, we want to say thank you for blessing every person and for what you've done tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and uh, do what you do with the buckets. Hallelujah. If you want to give, you can come give. Tomorrow night, we're going to be back on at 7 p.m. Who of you know somebody who needs a touch from God? One person. Who of you know somebody who needs a touch from God? All right. Can you invite somebody? Amen. Lift your hands all over this place. Actually, before you do, let my wife come and speak to you. Let my wife come and greet you. This is my wife, Krista. I just want to say, I don't know, I don't think I have to convince anybody in here that the move of God that's happening in Dickinson, North Dakota is in this church and happening this week in this place. I don't really feel like I have to convince anybody that this is the, the revival center, that this is where God's moving. So if you know people, I just feel it so strong. And I don't even feel like we're, we're, I have to convince anybody else that in this room that they, to come back. I know you'll be here if, if you're able to be here. But if you know people that need <clears throat> excuse me, a, a touch from God, need the power of God to do something in their life, make sure they get in this place because you know what's happened to you tonight. You know what's happened to you over the course of the time you've been at this church. So bring somebody. We're believing God that when we leave Dickinson, that it's a fresh wave of revival that's going to move through this city, that's going to move through this state. We know where the move of God is happening in this city, in, in, in this state, and it's happening in this place. And God's blessed you with this building and God's blessed you with these pastors. Listen, if people feel the call of God to move from Florida to North Dakota, you know that's God. And and that's what your pastors did. You have amazing pastors. And I watched their faces as they watched you get prayed for and get touched. And they love you. I'm going to tell you something right now. They love you so much. And so I want to say, if, if, if there's anything important happening in Dickinson this week, it's happening in this place. It's happening in this building. So I would do whatever you have to do to get here and get somebody else here, a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, somebody who's been beaten up by life and somebody who needs the power of God to touch and transform them. Listen, the worst of the worst cases, you know where you once were and you know where you are now. Hallelujah. And so God wants to build his church 
It's a different climate we live in after 2020. It's a different kind of world we live in. So I don't have to tell any of you that you that even, even the world expresses how they see evil and they see good. And so you can talk to anybody, anybody out on the street, anybody anywhere you go, and they will understand that, that, that they need God, that this world is missing something and it's God. So bring people here. They're going to get touched. They're going to get changed. And, uh, and thank you, everybody, for coming. I mean, thank you for putting God's house first. Thank you for, for, for coming into this revival, for sowing into this revival. And I want to tell you something, that God, when you sow into the work of God in a city, you will not end up last. You will not end up last. When you sow into God's house, when you sow into God's work, you'll never end up last. God, God will make sure that you're blessed. Amen. Amen. So make plans to be here this week. You won't regret it. God's moving in Dickinson. There's revival is in Dickinson. It's here now. We're not waiting for some far off time. This is what you've been praying for, what you've been believing for is happening in this place. Amen. Amen. We love you. Lift your hands all over this place. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Lord, you said that you would you would reward those who diligently seek you. So I thank you, Lord, for rewarding every person that's come tonight. Thank you, Lord, for a greater measure of your presence. Supernatural reward every crooked place in their life being made straight. In Jesus' name, that you would give them the desires of their heart. Thank you once again, Lord, for everything you've done, everybody that you've healed, and the great testimonies to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Bring somebody with you. Amen.